Hello, and welcome to the St. Louis Bullpen Show. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer, editor, uh, social media guru, what have you, of St. Louis Bullpen. Uh, joined, as always, by Alex Turpin, who is a St. Louis Bullpen uh, writer and podcast co-host, of course. Uh, Turp, how are you doing? I'm great. Um, Freddie just uh, just now jumped in my lap, and I'm uh, also enjoying uh, a nice... Uh, Little glass of uh, Glenfiddich scotch that my cousin-in-law, Pastor Chad, gave me for Christmas. Nice. So life's good. This, this might be the earliest Freddy update we've had on the podcast. He timed it. He timed it well. As you were doing your little intro there, I had to get his uh, claw unstuck from the recliner, and then he just uh, jumped on me. So hopefully he uh, leaves the microphone alone this time, or not. People might like that. Yeah, I think it's pretty endearing. It's yeah. good to hear him. Uh, I'd be happy to hear his lovely voice on the podcast. I say, you, oh, I've heard his voice, but... Well, if you listen real closely, you may have just heard him burp uh, towards the microphone. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I know I know. I also did that right before we started, but he just did it as well. I'll be sure to isolate the audio whenever I'm either editing or listening, just so I can get an idea of it. No. Sure, this is... Oh, okay. No, there we go. Hey, stop. Come on, man. Wow, he's making Thanks, his sir. presence known. <laughs> Yeah, let's just yeah, let's just move on. I'll just try and manage this situation best I can. Yeah, so this is uh, our second straight week of recording, which I mean during the season isn't that crazy, but we've been a little bit more sporadic during the off season. Uh, the the main reason I think uh, so everything is happening in baseball over the last week. So that's yeah. What in the world is going on? <laughs> so. I mentioned last episode that we had a, a topic in mind, and we're going to do that topic this week, but we, there was so much stuff that we put it on the back burner. We could have very easily done an episode this week without even, like, mentioning the Cardinals, just because right. sheer chaos. So since the last time we talked, which would have been last Thursday, I think it was? Yeah, I think a week ago to the day, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, since then, three different managers have lost their jobs in Major League Baseball, including right. um, two World Series winners over the last three years, and, uh, and two uh, two guys who have played for the Cardinals uh, in the last decade. Yeah, well, I mean, one of them was quite briefly. I don't know if it really counts, but technically true, which is the best kind of true. Yeah, is it Freddie wants to it's just spring training, right? Yeah, I, I count that as technically true. Okay. Well, I mean, one of them, like, I mean, was a Cardinal. He's... I mean, we can now look back and say that Carlos Beltran was technically the uh, Mets manager. Yeah, like, in the same way that Wally Backman was technically the Arizona Diamondbacks manager in 2004 or whatever it was before he got fired four days later. So, And that uh, and that Bill Belichick was technically the coach of the New York Jets. True. That's a good reference. I, I approve. So, um... Beltran did last longer than four days, but he did not last into his first season. Uh, A.J. Hinch, uh, formerly of the Houston Astros, and Alex Cora, formerly of the Boston Red Sox, um, lasted. They actually did manage games. Uh, all three of their firings, as well as the firing of uh, Jeff Luno, of the, uh, formerly of the Houston Astros, before that, of course, with, sorry, my microphone fell over with the... Uh, Come on, man. I didn't have a cat to blame it on. <laughs> But formerly of the St. Louis Cardinals, um, all all of their firings came as part of sort of the same scandal, which 
it's weird because we talk so much about the Houston Astros whenever the uh, the Brandon uh, Todman story broke, which he was also subsequently punished further, was given the yeah. uh, deal MLB ban. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was, I don't know if I want to even say it's an unrelated scandal, because it, it technically is, but also, I, and we can get into it a little bit, but I kind of get the sense that the cumulative effect of like Houston Astros fatigue may have impacted like the level of scrutiny the Astros have gotten and certainly the level of people have celebrated them. I think, uh, I think wasn't the, was it you that made the comparison on Twitter that this is comparable to getting Al Capone for tax evasion? Yeah. I'm starting to think I need to update my reference because like Al Capone got, got uh, arrested for tax evasion like 85 years ago. Well, the, the more modern reference is, uh, uh, OJ one maybe. Yes. OJ Simpson going to prison for theft. Yeah, he, he uh, stole his own merchandise, yeah. and he got multiple years in prison despite having no criminal convictions. Now, obviously, he had other legal issues that probably contributed to the uh, the length of his sentence. I have to imagine so, yeah. Maybe we could get O.J. on the podcast. He's out of jail now. He's on Twitter and stuff. We, we could probably get him it's around. O.J.'s Twitter, and I'll say the same about Hulk Hogan, although to a lesser uh, degree of badness. It's a shame that they're both such bad people because their Twitters are both extremely funny. I find the lack of self-awareness on their Simpsons part amazing. I can't say I really know about it. <laughs> yeah. I remember a few years ago, Bill Cosby's Twitter, um, it was clearly not actually run by him, but it was run yeah. by like, his team or whatever. There was just a complete lack of self-awareness like as people were getting angrier and angrier at Bill Cosby. Yeah. And just not understanding what was going on. This is quite the little tangent we have going on without actually mentioning what yeah. the uh, people uh, affiliated with the Astros were were fired for. So, well, I, I guess to we'll, we'll get into this. What is important, I think, to separate just to get the timeline. Um, those three managers were fired. Hinch was the only one of the three who has actually received a punishment for Major League Baseball. Correct. Yeah. Um, I would imagine was expected to. Yes, I, I would imagine that um, the people running those other organizations, the Red Sox and the Mets, um, were sort of in wait and see mode. Um, and when they saw what happened here, they figured it was just going to be wisest to go ahead and cut ties because something was coming down. Yeah, and, and so what happened? I'm sure most people have you know idea of, of what happened at this point, but uh, there was a a scandal involving sign stealing, mm-hmm. and um, the layman's terms is there's sort of a mixed bag of just how elaborate the science ceiling was, but um, the, the most sort of famous and comical story involves um, banging on trash cans in order to uh, relay what kind of pitch is coming and also uh, reports of technology being used. Um, our old friend Tommy Pham, as you mentioned right before we were uh, recording, uh, was sort of had this conspiracy <laughs> going on which uh, ties into uh, previous stories from earlier today involving allegedly Carlos Beltran's niece, but maybe not actually Carlos Beltran's niece. Yeah, the the Beltrans have denied it, but I I don't know what would be funnier, whether that isn't Beltran's niece or now that they've denied it, whether it actually is. The whole thing has just gone completely off the rails. Yeah, for the love Uh, of God, if you don't know what we're talking about, like find somebody who's more articulate on the matter than us to describe it, because you're you're still not going to totally understand what's going on, but you'll you know maybe come closer. This is a weird story. Like, 
10% of the managers in Major League Baseball have been fired over the last yeah. week over the same thing. And, like, I, I can't, like, what, what do we say about this? It, it's so strange and such a peculiar turn of events because, I mean, you have two managers who were extremely successful and certainly were not going to get fired anytime soon based on, like, the merits of their managing. I think, like, Hinch in particular is, you know, respected probably as, you know, one of the best managers in baseball. And now he's not only out of a job, but also banned for the next year, as is uh, yeah. as is Jeff now. And like now, a question I had—I don't know if you know the answer to this—is it a one-year ban, like a one-year blanket ban from baseball, or is it a one-year suspension in that he has to have a job in Major League Baseball for the suspension to start tolling? I think it's a one-year ban, and frankly, I hope it is because I feel like. The, like you're basically banning him for life at that right. point. Right, it would be it would be a de facto ban, yeah. Yeah, and like it, it's hard to say because this is kind of one of those situations and you know, this may be a particularly like relevant thing for like you and your your day job is that like this is and this is obviously on a different scale, but it's a matter of these are people that it's hard to have empathy for because like Jeff Lunau is like clearly a jerk. Like, the mm-hmm. statement that he put out after uh, getting fired was mm-hmm. completely unconciliatory. AJ Hinch, to his credit, actually did take some level of responsibility, and there's some level of awareness, and it made me think, you know, maybe this guy actually wants to get a job in baseball ever again. But at the same time, I kind of feel like maybe the punishment was... I don't know if it's even insufficient, but, like... The, the idea that there were people like on Twitter who were arguing that the punishment wasn't enough seemed a little bit like, like rebellion at this point. Like we're just trying to be like very over the top in our uh, criticism to them, and it's an easy target because the Astros have just been so unlikable. And like, I don't condone the idea of a team cheating in order to gain an edge, but at the same time, I consider this less reprehensible than, like, the culture that led to about how glad they were that they got Roberto Azuna. To be clear, it, it is a very, from an outsider perspective, it is a very funny combination of three teams to have this uh, involved. I mean, the Astros have become such so loathsome lately, Um and for for mostly for those reasons, which is a good reason, um, the Sox are the Sox, um, and then the Mets. I mean, the Mets just the Mets just have to Mets it up at every at every turn, um, and it's just it's just funny w- with them. And you know, you feel bad for them at a certain point. This was not even something that they did wrong, really. Um, it involves Carlos Beltran um, with his involvement with the Astros. Um, I'm sure this wasn't something they were really aware of when they hired Carlos Beltran. Um, and yet, you know, here we are in January, and because of all this coming down, um, the Mets find themselves without a manager. Um, yeah, I didn't have this extreme case of, like, Mets fan self-loathing fatigue where I get very sick of hearing about how, like, downtrodden the Mets are. They made the World Series four years ago. That is that is correct. Yeah. Or I guess five years ago now, but like October of 2015, they made the World Series. I, and like they've won the World Series twice in the 
50-year span, which you know isn't a lot, but a lot of other teams have won a lot less. I think a lot of it's just sort of like this New Yorker entitlement, not quite being. Th- mm-hmm. But like this is, like this is along the lines and a right. different scale of like the now going bankrupt over Bernie Madoff. Yeah, I mean the thing with the Mets is that when they do screw up, it's always in really really funny ways. That's what sets them apart. They're not the Browns level of uh, incompetence. Um, but they are, yeah, I mean, whenever they do screw up, it's something funny. I mean, this is like, you know, they like, how could they have seen this coming? And where I'm going with that is all of this escalated so quickly. Like I don't going into this off season, this really wasn't even a talking point. Um, I don't remember when kind of the, the story started circulating exactly, but it was sort of put on the back burner. And then all of a sudden, you know, here's this. Here's a couple of these big suspensions being handed down, um, and then other people are getting fired. Kind of the wake of this. Um, I don't remember a scandal like exploding so quickly on such a scale in Major League Baseball since the steroid scandal. Um, I don't think this is as well, even, huge. Well, even the steroid thing was kind of a slow burn, though, because there, yeah. there were always whispers about it for years before there was like the congressional hearings and, and testing or anything. I, and even still, it's not like that – unless I'm just completely forgetting – it's not like that resulted in, like, widespread, like, like bans and firings. Um, it's mainly just, you know, a lot of those guys were kind of done by that point. It was, it's mostly just been the after effect sort of leading to what we'll get to later is that, you know, it just leads to a long conversation about whether – how do we look at the legacy of these guys and how do they belong in the hall. Um, and that's the other thing. It, it kind of – that was more about individual players. This is like, you know, this involves like entire organizations. Um, I can't remember a scandal being quite like this in baseball anytime recently. I think the closest analog you probably have to go to a different sport is like various Patriots uh, cheating yeah. scandal. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, there's been some sort of, I, I guess, Bounty Gate also kind of a similar thing in, in football. Yeah. But baseball has not really seen anything quite like this recently. Well, Bounty Gate's similar in the sense of, like, high-ranking executives and coaches sure. not getting year-long suspensions. Yeah. Except the New Orleans Saints waited out Sean Payton being out a year, and the, the Astros just cut bait with, uh, with both Hinch and Luna, which probably reflects on, like, the importance of an individual manager versus the importance of an NFL coach is right. There's really not a huge comparison there. Well, and yeah, and it, it helped that the saints basically had like bill Parcells, just one phone call away to just come in and fill in for a year. Cause, cause what better did he have to do? Did he uh, fill in? I thought bill Parcells filled in. Am I wrong about that? I don't remember. I, I, you could be right, but I don't Was it, was it 2011 the year that, that all went down. Let me. Um, I'm gonna look this up because I. I could. I might be wrong about this. Um, let's see. So Sean Payton. Oh no, they tried. They tried to get him, but I guess they didn't. Uh, uh, it was Aaron Cromer for the first six games, and then uh, Joe Vitt, who I believe was a Rams assistant. He was. He was an interim, and he was an interim head coach there Marx's, briefly. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have been. Yeah, I guess it would have been the Marts firing. Um. Well, he was the interim because Mike Marks got sick, and then yes, I, I, I have opinions. Yeah, you're right. Marks firing that we don't need to get into here. It's yeah, probably off topic. Um, 
Yeah, I, I remember Bill Parcells. They tried to bring him in and, and wound up. Uh, he wound up saying no. Um, that's where I remember that from. But um, for the Astros, they don't. I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do now, because, I mean, I think it would probably be a bad idea to promote from within because, I mean, everything they do now is so tainted. I don't know how that organization moves forward. Um, well, the, the current interim manager is Joe Espada, who um, I believe was not around in 2017, if, which is a relevant thing if you happen to believe that they stopped after 2017 with this. But Well, was, and, and the, the thing with Joe Espada is, I mean, he was, if I'm not mistaken, rumored um, to be a, a strong candidate for – like actual managerial position. Yes, he was uh, allegedly the runner-up for both the Cubs and the Giants, who instead hired David Ross and Gabe Kapler, which is interesting. But hey, Gabe Kapler did do a cool thing today, though. Did he? Yeah, he. Uh, I can't remember her name, but hired the first uh, ever uh, women's assistant coach in Major League Baseball. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. So I mean, good on him. Meanwhile, I mean, David Ross Gabe is still. Has, Gabe Kapler has a lot of. Uh, He's working from quite the deficit with the whole uh, yes. issues with the Dodgers and the whole uh, the whole chicken nugget thing is weird too. But that's obviously a, a different um, level of scandal that he was apparently peeling chicken nuggets like the skin off of them. That's psycho shit. Redding, I guess. So, that that man has killed and will kill again. Yes. Um, I'm I don't know the exact pronunciation, but Alyssa either Nacken or Nacken N A K K E N. That is uh. Um, was hired to be an assistant coach by Gabe Kapler. So that is cool. It, it seems like a weird day for the Giants to have announced that hiring. Like, I feel like that's the thing that would get, like, on a slower day, we get a lot of attention and a lot of praise, but instead it's competing against uh, <laughs> yeah. Beltron losing his job. I, yeah, I imagine, uh, I imagine the Giants organization, you know, uh, uh, they just kind of wake up and, you know, this has been in the works. They're kind of waiting to release it until today. And first thing they do... Um, they, uh, send out the press release announcing the signing and they think, uh, say to themselves, wow, this will, uh, this is really cool. This will surely, uh, dominate, um, baseball headlines nationally for today. It's the middle of January. What else is going on? Not now time to take, take a, a nice, big, yeah. big sip of coffee and open up Twitter. I'm very concerned that we had the exact same, like, thought of how that, like, punchline was going to go. Now, I do want to add one clarification. Not only did Gabe Kapler eat chicken nuggets unbreaded, uh, he ate 40 of them uh, at one time. Unbreaded. Yeah, d- deeply psychotic. Like, it, first of all, it just seems like a lot of work. The whole the whole point of getting chicken nuggets is that it's, like, easy and convenient. Yeah. Not that it tastes good and not that it's healthy. Right. So, like, could he not have found, a, like, a restaurant somewhere that, like, you get, like, grilled chicken? Oh, yeah. Grilled chicken sandwich can be really good. I mean, I... And it would be, a, like, a better quality because, like, you get a McNugget. Like, to be clear, I don't mind this, but a McNugget is, like, a slurry thing. Yeah, um, no one's eating it because it's, like, high quality. <laughs> yeah, just go somewhere and get an actual chicken grill. Do they even do – do they do that at McDonald's? I mean, it's probably not great yeah. if they do, but – They have grilled chicken, but it's, like, patties. It's not the yeah. nuggets. But but still, uh, he's, he's a crazy person. I, I feel like I need to uh, – in honor of uh, – the Carlos Beltran firing. Uh, Chris Quick uh, tweeted, this is the second time Carlos Beltran getting caught looking has ruined the mess. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty good. That's really good. Um, and um, Donald Trump was relevant in uh, both of those instances. What was the 2017 relevance? I, I know the, the 2006 with the uh, 
the famous picture of him behind home. Well, the relevance now is that um, Trump was also uh, dominating a lot of uh, time on Twitter today. Oh, yeah. I mean, as opposed to most other days where he kind of you know stays under the radar. And- well, he, had, he had one of his great all-time uh, tweets today, but we won't. You can look it up and see what he said. If... I, I briefly saw it, but I was kind of busy today. I didn't get too much of a chance. I was too busy uh, <laughs> concerning myself with this uh, with this whole Astros cheating scandal. So, what, what are your thoughts on? Some people have mentioned uh, the, the Astros vacating their World Series win. Uh, I guess their other pennant as well. What were your? And I guess the Red Sox as well, which was I think mostly Dodgers people. Should they hate theirs? Now, I don't have a ton of sympathy for the Dodgers in general, just because why would you? Um, I don't know where exactly to go with this because we don't have a good preference. I don't have a frame of reference because, um, as I said earlier, it's not usually like an organization-wide scandal. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, if you're of this opinion, you know, keep Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and everyone else out of the hall – um, or like put them in the hall, but put an asterisk next to their name. That's on individual people. Um, I don't know what the the precedent is. I it, it's just hard. I've never, unless it's something completely over the top. I've never loved vacating titles in yeah. general. Um, I mean, it really doesn't happen on the pro level. Like, no, I I, I can't think of it. Ever. Does but yeah, in college it, it does. Um, now and to that point, I don't know if really the right way to go with this is to say, hey, MLB, be more like the NCAA. That's usually being more like the NCAA is, is a bad idea pretty much always. Yeah, like MLB has its problems, but compared to the NCAA, MLB is doing quite well. Right. So I don't know – I don't because I don't know what it means to vacate a title. Um, I, I don't know what effect that really has um, because everyone knows who won. Like MLB is is basically by doing that would be saying this is illegitimate, um, but lots of people think that anyway. So I don't know what exactly it does um, to have MLB do that. I don't know what impact it makes. Um, I mean, handing down the suspensions to everyone involved is one thing. Um, I would think if it depends on what they want to do with this. If they really want to. But they really see value in the importance of delegitimizing accomplishments that are made via cheating, then this is probably where they go with it. If they want an actual deterrent, then there's probably some sort of like sanctions that you could hand down um, via the draft, um, although that's more useful in other sports than an MLB, like limit international free agent pool money, things like that that could actually limit what the Astros – uh, do and the Astros have gotten that too. They're over the they? two over the next two drafts. They're going to lose their first and second round picks, which I think is good. I mean, that's more the approach if you want an actual deterrent to other teams, because like if a team is so badly wants to win a championship and so badly wants that edge that they're willing to risk it by doing this, um, I don't think they're going to care that much um, about whether the MLB like you know, on the books, delegitimizes their championship. They're still going to have the whole experience, and then they're just going to get caught after the fact. Um, I don't know what that really does. So I I really – I wish I had a better answer that I don't know. Um, right now I would kind of lean against – you kind of lean against – I mean you could do like small things like, you know, take away the trophy so that they can't display it. 
um, in wherever the hell it is that they display their World Series trophy. I mean, that's annoying enough that it might uh, it might have some kind of effect. Um, that I would assume would come along with making them vacate the title, but um, I don't know. I don't know what you do because I've not experienced an issue quite like this. Yeah, at, at the current point, I'm not really a big fan of the idea of making them vacate the title, just at the current level of evidence, just because I think that kind of sets this very kind of tricky precedent because then you're suddenly going to have folks who are saying, oh, the like the 2004 Red Sox have to vacate their title because Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz were their top few players and they had these mm-hmm. you know, scandals you know, pertaining to steroids. I think that if you're going to do the vacating, which, again, I don't think at this point you can do, like, it just has to remain vacant. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's, like, this this grassroots movement in Los Angeles to force the Dodgers to be declared World Series champions in 2017 and 22, which is completely insane. I have Oh, to, yeah. That, that's I, I, nuts. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, uh, I think that there's also a big difference between the 2017 Astros who, like, demonstrably were cheating and are being punished dramatically because of it, and the 2018 Red Sox, whose tie-in is Alex Cora was their manager, yeah, really a lot of a, a line being drawn between the actions in 17 and 18. You could certainly have suspicions about the 2018 Red Sox, but I these are two different things. But there is precedent in in fairly recent sports history between of a Texas team and a uh, Southern California team and things being vacated, which was the 2005 Heisman Trophy that Reggie Bush had won initially, and uh, that's right. Young was the uh, the runner-up that year, whenever they took away Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy, and you can certainly debate whether or not that was actually the right course of action, Vince Young didn't win it. It just remained vacant. Like, right. the, Dodgers in the, world. the Dodgers are not winning. Well, well and the, and the Dodgers years. have the Dodgers have even less of a case to do that than, than Vince Young would, and that scenario just presented – because, like, Vince Young was the clear runner-up. Um, well, technically, technically he was pretty close to number three, but number three was also on the USC team that got vacated. So, yeah. Sure, but but even to say, like, like the problem is that sign stealing gave the Astros a competitive advantage. You cannot clearly say that if the Astros played it cleanly that the Dodgers definitely would have won. They might have still won. Um, it's unfair what they did, but you don't just get to – I, I think to win, you have to actually win or shown like in the in the legal world, what we say a but for cause. You know, you have to show that but for the sign stealing, um, the Dodgers would have won the World Series. That's definitely, you know, it, it's inarguable that it gave the Astros, a, you know, an unfair shake at it. But like, it's not a guarantee that the Dodgers are going to win. So they definitely don't get a, a stake to that claim. I get I get that they're bitter that they keep getting wrapped up. In this, on the other side, I think the the only uh, the only appropriate next twist for this story is that the Dodgers uh, were also doing this. Um, I think that would be kind of a fun twist. But I yeah, I mean there probably were several other teams doing that. That's why I'm going to try not to get all high and mighty from a Cardinals perspective. Because, oh yeah, I mean Carlos yeah, Beltran was on a couple of years of the Cardinals in the not too distant past, but yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to know for sure, but at this point, this the story is just so crazy, and it's so funny seeing, you know, I, I hate to, you know, point negatively towards Trevor Bauer, but the, the idea that there's people that are just kind of being heels about this, and like I mentioned, Tommy Pham, and 
the other players really sort of taking different uh, people associated with the 2017 Astros task. It's fun to see, like we're seeing personalities come out and it's, Oh yeah. Nice. Uh, silver lining to an otherwise, like this is such a normally buttoned down kind of sport with regards to having any sort of tension or animosity floated about. I, I saw uh, one of my favorite tweets about this whole thing. Um, I saw it was an account that I hadn't seen yet. Some um, a sports account, Covey's Burner. Um, it was ESPN 30 for 30 voice. What if I told you one man brought all of Major League Baseball to its knees? And it's a picture of Mike Fires with a stupid spiral facial hair he had. Uh, I don't know. Mike F- And that's another wrinkle in this whole thing. Talking about Mike Fires, um, there was some hubbub about what uh, Jessica Mendoza said today. Um, whose show was she on? Was it was it Colin Coward that she was on? I believe it was on uh, Wingo and – I don't remember what it's called. Oh, no. Uh, Wingo Bullock? Bullock. Yeah, you're Bullock right. Wingo, the, the Michael and Trey Wingo's show. Yep, you're right. Um, yeah. That, that, that's sort of a whole thing because – well, there's a few layers to that because uh, Jessica Mendoza was – I don't even know if I heard the exact comments. Do you know exactly what it was that she had said? I know the general nature. Not, but I don't know the – no, I don't. I don't remember the exact wording. Yeah, because she was speaking about Mike Fires, and it's interesting because she's also an employee of the Mets. Yeah, I mean, she was essentially calling Mike Fires a snitch. Is where we, she was going with it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was. It was as someone pointed out their thoughts on this. Um, that, I mean, it's troublesome that she is saying this as an employee of the Mets. And it's also troublesome that she's saying this as, um, someone who, uh, has, has been, and I guess still somewhat is a baseball media member to, to talk down whistleblowing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very, I don't know. It was just not a great look on her part. I've had no issue with her ever before, but this was not, this is not a great look. Yeah, there, there's this whole problem anytime uh, Jessica Mendoza says anything, which is the fact that she's a woman and the fact that she's an analyst yeah. on a prominent role. Yeah, unfairly maligned of, for that. to a lot of like sexist jerks who were like coming out of the woodwork to like attack her for the fact that she's a right. woman. But like, Correct. this is bad. Like, the comment is not good just on its own terms, and I think it's you know fair to point that out. And yeah, it's. It's very strange that she even like still has the ESPN job and also the Mets job. Like if she wants to, that is strange. Don't care. Like I've mentioned many times, that I think that if you gave her somebody other than the worst play-by-play announcer on the planet, Matt Vasgersian, as like her broadcast partner, I think she might be okay. But I, I don't know for sure. But yeah, that's pretty much the entirety of my. Uh, my takes on the matter because I feel like new things are going to emerge. Like, do you have a guess as to what? Because we mentioned AJ Hinch got the actual punishment. He got the one year, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, the one year ban for Major League Baseball. Um, the Red Sox preemptively fired Alex Cora. The Mets preemptively fired Carlos Beltran. A lot of speculation that what Cora is going to get is going to be worse than Hinch. Do you have a prediction on what the punishment for Cora is going to be? I just can't see him getting the lifetime ban. I've heard people. I don't think so either. I, I think 
Like a multi-year ban, I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe two years. Like, I don't think he needs a lifetime ban. I no. think that, like, it's sort of getting sort of this very performative, like, to go off of, you know, a far less controversial issue, the death penalty. Like, there's sort of this, like, idea that people are kind of having that, oh, if you don't support this level of punishment, you don't care about the crime being committed. Like, no, it's it's not that. It's just that we don't need to you know, puff our chest at every single thing that happens and, you know, try to argue against it because, you know, of such and such reason. And yeah, I think that, yeah, I think, I think I'd probably just give him a year for, but if he gets a little bit more than that, I'm not going to get too upset. Again, these are not the most sympathetic people to have uh, any sort of empathy towards, but Beltran's whole thing is just strange because like players aren't being punished for their roles in this, and yet he's being punished for something he did as a player. But whatever. Um, like the the fact that like he was probably kind of borderline to get managerial jobs anyway. Mm-hmm. That sort of limits my level, and I, I think he'll if he wants it. I think he can probably get a job in baseball again, like on a lower level. Right. And I think that Hinch will eventually be back. I'm not as sure with Cora just because, you know, he was supposed to be the ringleader in all this. I think Luna is probably just going to become like, I don't know, a lobbyist or work in McKinsey again or something. <laughs> He's going to go down some other route with his life because mm-hmm. given like the embarrassment that the Astros have had over the last several months, it's it's tough to come back from that. Right. Like he's not I, I cannot imagine him getting another GM job like unless he really has to pay his dues first. Like I think his next GM job if it ever happens, which is a huge if is like at least a decade away. Mhm. And which you know, maybe he can, you know, work his way back and sort of, you know, redeem himself, but it it ain't there yet. It's a long way away. Yeah, I'd say the only way to handle this story wrong Unless you have some reason to, um, I mean, there's no there's no reason to really um, have strong takes about any of this. Just kind of for now, just kind of sit back, watch it unfold, because it's one of the it already is. And I think will continue to be one of the wilder baseball stories we'll see in our lifetimes. Um, Just how quickly this all exploded. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, it's been very strange. So, um, as a as a follow up to last um, last episode, there's a tweet from uh, MLB Network Radio. It says that night Cardinals Jose Martinez got traded to the Rays, but everybody told um, at Harrison Bader's name it was him. I, I was just about to bring this up. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's Nick's fault? Yeah, I was. That's what I was going to ask. I I think there's a good chance that it is. Where else would people be getting that? God. I mean, there were rumors <laughs> flying everywhere, but as far as I know, he was the most prominent case of an actual report that said this happened. Yeah, I mean, I know that even, like, actual reporters were kind of bandying that name about as one that could be involved. Yeah. But that some, at least some of that has to be Nick, surely. I would guess that at least one of the messages he received was because somebody saw the report from Nick and... 
how how does not how I said this last time, not only how does this keep working, how does it get bigger and bigger every time? Like, do you think so? Most of the uh, so most of his stuff is involving sports. Do you think like with the impeachment trial coming up, he can impersonate like uh, like Daniel Dale or like one of these prominent political reporters and just like I think chaos? Do you think he could cause the stock market to crash? You know, I'm not going to put anything past him. But yeah, pick some common commenter that like people. The the tougher part is there's no one in politics that's quite like a Jeff Passan, because um, there's there's fewer insider reporters in baseball than there are just political reporters. But yeah, like a um, like a Daniel Dale or like maybe like Jake Tapper or something like that that a lot of people wouldn't be surprised to see on the uh, timeline breaking news. Um, yeah, I, I think he should definitely go for it. Um, and hopefully this moment here on the podcast is not something that we can uh, – uh, that we will flash back to and regret. Yeah, like future generations find this and we're like Nostradamus, but in a very like regrettable and unfortunate way. We'll, we'll see maybe, maybe the question um, will not – maybe the question we should be asking to ourselves is not – can Nick crash the stock market? Can Nick start a war? I think the answer is probably not. I want to believe no. The The problem with him starting a war is I don't think that anybody who is so impulsive that they would um, immediately just like jump to conclusions on it would have a combination of the authority to do so and the will to do so. Now... Think about what you just said. Okay. Um, this feels like an entire thing. <laughs> you might as well just go for it. Uh, can you think of anybody uh, powerful and impulsive um, who is also addicted to Twitter who is currently um, in a major political office? Yes. However, I think that that person is going to talk him or herself just to leave it open to who it could be out of actually uh, follow, following through with it. I don't think there's that much willpower to actually go through with it. However, that person could very well end up like responding to it on Twitter. Which right. Would be new, amazing. New goal then. Can he get the president to retweet him? Yes. Uh, like retweet a fake report. Okay. I think that's more realistic. Yeah. That, that absolutely can't happen. I don't know if he actually wants that to happen, but it could happen if he uh, willed himself to do it. I believe in him. Where were we even? Uh, we were discussing the uh, the Astros cheat. Yeah, and I, and I think we're done <laughs> with that. Yeah, uh, we do have a, a follow, another follow up from last episode, which is uh, Nolan Arenado rumors, which have um, there have been some. They, they're probably actually a little bit like in the grand scheme, they've probably subsided a little bit since last episode, yeah. but they still very much exist. There was another one going around this last weekend. I'm Blinking on the exact details of the deals that was rumored, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, Google search this. But the the rumor that was going around last Saturday, and I wrote about this on uh, SCL Bullpen because this is just the only topic I know how to write about at this point, mm-hmm. was that the Cardinals would trade uh, Dakota Hudson, uh, Carlos Martinez, which was sort of a new name to the uh, the fray here. Um, Tyler O'Neill, 
and uh, the recently acquired um, Matt Libertor it, uh, as a just a straight up deal for uh, Nolan Arenado. Yeah. At which point, at which point I wrote, um, the Cardinals are already really thin at starting pitching and outfield. Why don't you just sign Josh Donaldson? And then a couple days later, actually one day later, Josh Donaldson signed with the Minnesota Twins. Um, yeah. Did, did, so how the I remember how that report was framed was that that was the package that was offered to Colorado by St. Louis and. Uh, uh, good luck to any other team matching that. Um, did, didn't that turn out to be like a Rockies media person? It was a Cubs person. Who a Cubs person, even worse. Um, so seemingly either either uh, just misinformed or trolling, because I don't see any reason to think that that would ever be what the offer would be. Because um, yeah, it, it's like patently absurd. The upside to that one, rather than the rumors that involve Matt Carpenter, is that at least it didn't involve somebody waiving their no-trade clause where it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. Matt, like, why would Matt Carpenter waive his no-trade clause to go to a Rockies team that was bad last year and that is trading Nolan Arenado and seemingly suggests that they're not trying right. to be good anytime soon? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's just laziness that is causing people to, like, <clears throat> every like trade scenario for Arenado is uh, built primarily around major league talent, but I'm not, I don't, is that, is there a rumor that that's what the Rockies want? Why would they? I'm not if they're, really sure. If the Rockies I, are trading away with Nolan Arenado after signing him with that big deal, they're, they're like committing themselves to being in rebuild mode, right? You would think so. It's, and so why would they, it's why would they, he's one year into the contract. It's not like this is, and even with like John Carlos Stanton, he was at least around for three more years after he'd signed it in Miami. Yeah. It's I, I guess the theory is that the Rockies are maybe suddenly waking up and realizing they're not gonna be good. They're having a realization they didn't have last offseason, realizing they're not gonna be good for a while and they're just doing what they what they can. But to your point, the fact that they just signed this, um <clears throat> I, I think it makes it less likely that they trade Arenado in general kind of than people are giving credit for. Um, they can just as easily hold out for a while if they don't like what they're being offered. There's no, there's just no sense of urgency to do it because like they're not in a good place, but Arenado is going to be around for a while if they do nothing. Um, so, well, you possibly, know, well, possibly <clears throat> two more years. Sure. Not out, but, but, but still, you know, he's going to be around for a little while. Um, what would be what would be the urgency if people aren't offering them, you know, a like a really good deal? What would be the urgency to go ahead and get it done? They can just hold out and see what they can get down the road if they're not going to be competing anyway. Yeah, it's not it's not like um, the NFL or well, whatever other you know other sports where like your draft position matters that much. They they clearly need to commit like right now to tanking. Um, I just don't see that being the case. So. I mean, if it comes down, this is why I could. I'm starting to lean towards that it's just not going to happen. I think they'll reach an impasse where the Cardinals make an okay offer, but the Rockies don't want to do it for an okay offer, and so they just hold off and maybe revisit it during the season. Yeah, it seems like the Rockies are like they're asking for a lot. <laughs> From a pure like objective baseball standpoint, I would kind of prefer a world in which Nolan Arenado stayed with the Rockies because I don't want every single team to just either be tanking or like loading up 
Yeah. I would like the idea of a team at least starting out the season trying to be competitive. Like, if you want to trade away any bad team, if you want to trade away your good players at the deadline, once you're, like, you know, multi- like dozens of games out of the playoff, like, that's fine. With me. Yeah. I don't mind that. But at least start off trying would be the ideal thing. Yeah. Um, the So I, I ran a couple polls on the uh, STL Bullpen Twitter account this week. Um, one of which you were, were quite upset by. The other one, I think, was mostly just me, just curious how. Ugh. So the poll. What in the? Yeah, what in the hell was this? So the question was, which of these players would you? Um, God. Trade the most for the Cardinals to acquire, and it was four players that are have been subject to at least peripheral trade rumors from somebody over mm. the uh, over this off season. So Nolan Arenado was one of them. Uh, Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, Francisco Lindor. Uh, with 48% of the vote, the winner of the poll was Nolan Arenado. Uh, Mookie Betts and Francisco Lindor are pretty close, 26 and 23 respectively. Chris Bryant got 3%. That's um, So Chris Bryant plays the same position as Nolan Arenado. You can make a case that he's worse, but you probably wouldn't make a case that he's considerably worse. No. Be depriving your biggest rival of having him as far as like biggest playoff rival, really. And he got 3% and Nolan Arenado got, um, nearly a true majority of the votes. Uh, out of curiosity in, I don't know if you voted in the poll, but like, where would you, how, how would you, how did, how would you have voted if you didn't vote? I did, but I, I was maybe second guessing just kind of on one thing. When is, when's, Francisco Lindor, a free agent, because I'm he, I'm just trying to think where people were even yeah. coming from with this. Lindor has He's, two, after he next has two season? more years, so after the 2021. 2021s. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I mean, Betts or Lindor would both be cool. I think Betts would would definitely get my vote because I mean he's already a position of need. Lindor is just amazing. You could definitely fit him in with the talent we already have because I mean Paul DeYoung like can play third base. See, um, <clears throat> like, I'm actually not a huge fan of the Paul DeYoung playing third base. Like, I think he definitely could, but he... Well, could Lindor play third base? I think he, I think certainly either one of them could, but it would just be... It seems like a weird waste to me. Yeah. Like, most I mean, of the value Betts, comes from the fact that they're really good defensive shortstops. Yeah. Mookie Betts, like, is the... Like, so obviously the choice. I don't, I don't understand. Like, the Cardinals, like, have some... They have talent in the outfield, but they don't have like a star outfielder. That's the place where an up where we are ripe for an upgrade. Yeah. Um, third base is just a place we discussed this last time where you can fit somebody in because you can you can be flexible with that position with the current roster construction they have. But like, and also Mookie Betts is like one of the elite players in base, like one of the true elite players in baseball. The only case against him is that. He's a free agent after this season. Yeah. But you got a whole damn season to, you know, negotiate a, I mean, to negotiate a, a new deal. And even if not, you get one of the best players in the entire game for the 2020 season, a season where you're expected to be competing for a championship. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, how, how was that not the runaway? I don't get it. I think you can make a case. I, I voted for bets for the reasons you entailed. I think you can make a case. Like, Francisco Lindor is, 
I, I think for like a generic team, he's the pick here because you get two years of him. Like, right. He's a little bit less valuable than Betts, but not by such a degree that I wouldn't rather have two years of him in right. vacuum. And uh, Chris Bryant, you can make the case, like I mentioned before, you take him away from the Cubs. I, yeah, I, I, I wonder if I, – I don't know that I like or agree with this philosophy, but I wonder if that – if people were looking at just the flip side of that, that if it doesn't work out um, – You give things to it, the Cubs. Yes, like if you you risk you know helping the Cubs when they're, when they're in a mess right now. So I can see the case for that, and depending on what each would cost, I wouldn't even hate – Arenado instead of Bryant, if those were the two choices, it would just depend completely on the context. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, the Cubs are just kind of, it seems like they're just on the verge of falling apart right now. You don't want to help them um, when it seems like Bryant very well might be gone anyway um, to somebody. But um, yeah, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. I think you're right. There's a case for Lindor as well. Um, but Arenado over both Lindor and Betts, I don't yeah. get how so many people thought that. Now, in fairness, we should account, we should factor in some of the vote that probably some people were just trying to mess with you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. That I think I, of it. However, I think, that, that's why I ran the next poll, was to see yeah. people were messing with me. And if that's to be believed, then I don't think enough people were messing with me to change the results. I think that Eric would have won the poll regardless. And also, we got. You got a decent amount of votes on that poll. Good work. Yeah. So, congrats on the engagement. The social social media engagement. I don't. I thought you congratulating me for getting engaged. Like I, I, you told me something I don't know. No, that 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 would be news to me. Um, okay. That, this would be a funny way um, to to break that news is on the is on the on the pod. Um, It'd be funny to break it to me before I knew the answer. Okay. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah don't uh ignore why i'm pulling out this camera right now nah. all right uh so one of the things that i included just as a, a follow-up on my own account was so the amount of upgrade that each player represents over the player that they're replacing so um lindor was a 2.5 projected upgrade over de young uh brian's projected 2.7 over matt carpenter air now 2.9 over matt carpenter Mookie Betts predicted 5.7 over Dexter Fowler. It's it's just not close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for 2020, it is by far Mookie Betts. And I think that look, looking long-term is the way you make cases for other guys. I just don't see how you make a case for Arenado. It's, and now, I, go ahead. I, I will ask this um, <clears throat> kind of, this is only just slightly related. Um, I don't think that this whatever your thoughts are on this, I don't think it invalidates, you know, your, your um, broader point, which is they could just sign a free agent third baseman for money instead of trading a whole bunch for Nolan Arenado. What did you think of Josh Donaldson's contract with the twins? I think it was reasonable. I, I think that the dollar amount, I don't have the exact figure. I think it was four and <clears throat> 92. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like that's an amount that, and I've also been very clear that I don't think the Cardinals really, quote-unquote, need a third baseman. I think they right. probably have right. at least one guy, possibly two, that would be sufficient to play there. Oh, yeah. But 
I think that if you're making the comparison between Donaldson making four, making 23 million a year for the next four, Arenado making 35 million for at least the next two and possibly much longer, possibly if he's not opting out of the contract to disastrous levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there is, of course, pretty substantial risk with the Donaldson contract just because of the term. But, yeah. I mean, the, the Twins are a team that is, I mean, they won 100 games last year. Their division is crap. Um, they, I mean, they're competing right now. So it's a worthwhile ad for them. Yeah, and, um, and Donald, it's weird because Donaldson, like, Donaldson's 34 years old, but he's not really aging in a, like, I mean, he's literally aging, of course, but in terms of his performance, he's still playing really well. Like, he's not playing as well as his 2015 MVP season, but that was, that'd be expected of anybody. Like, he's still performing at a very high level. Um, he was actually yeah, in, 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 uh, last year by uh, Baseball Reference War the Nolan Arenado. Yeah, it, breaking news, the uh, Twins have signed Benjamin Button to a 10-year contract. By the time the contract ends, he will be 12 years old. So, so what position does he play again? I don't, I don't I I didn't think this bit through. I don't do have think, anything else to add. Do you think there's going to be confusion with Byron Buxton having two very Is it possible that they thought they were signing Byron Buxton Buxton to an extension? No. See, the more you poke into this, the the stupider the bit sounds. So let's just let's not I don't know. I think this is going to be like the Simpsons, like Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes on the Simpsons where it like it gets stupider but then it goes on so long it becomes funny. Like a, like a like a family guy joke. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also don't have a – there's a tweet I'm trying to find where it was uh, – this was the <clears throat> like the biggest contract given to a baseball player age 33 or older since somebody, and it was a very random person. I can't remember who it was. Somebody back in the 90s um, played for the Orioles maybe? Um, let's see who – they signed Albert Bell to a contract. No, it wasn't Albert. I would remember if it was Albert Bell. Um, hmm. Anyway, you can move on to the next thing. I'm going to keep trying to look for it. All right. So the next poll I ran, was, which was really for much less scientific purposes, was asking if you could magically transport one of these players onto the Cardinals with their like current state, current contract, who would you want? So I had Nolan Arenado was one of the choices, along with Ronald Acuna Jr., who was um, Fangraph's most recent uh, like best contract in baseball kind of player, like player you'd want to start a team around. Uh, Wander Franco, who's the number one prospect in baseball, mm-hmm. and Mike Trout, who's just the best player in baseball, and is also way underpaid for what he's worth. And uh, Aaron now got 10% there, so I'm assuming 10%'s like the troll threshold, or maybe people actually are that into Nolan Arenado. Like maybe Derek Gould's just creating a bunch of new Twitter accounts to vote in this poll repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I just the whole thing is just so perplexing to me. This Arenado thing is perplexing. Um, I need him to get traded somewhere just so I can, uh, or for him to just come out and say he's not going to waive his no trade. Just I want some sort of conclusion to this, just so I can move on and stop worrying about this constantly. Now, um, now. How will you handle it if he is traded elsewhere and uh, Cardinals Twitter uh, gets outraged by it? How mad are you going to get in turn? Um, I think I'm just going to point to my track record of like questioning the Paul Goldschmidt trade, not wanting to trade for Giancarlo Stanton. I, I feel like I have the receipts on this. 
I'll just be very confident and smug and very annoying. But that's how I am most of the time anyway, so... I'm not... You said it, not me. Yeah, I mean, we, we could just, like, isolate that off and just have that be, like, a sound drop in the <laughs> episodes. I don't think that would be uh, unfair at all. We'd, ha- we'd have to figure out how to do that first, which... Uh... I-, I know how to, I just don't uh, care enough to. Yeah. Also, another uh, Freddy update. He was off my lap for a while, but is now back on my lap. So good for Freddy. He's uh, he's leaving the microphone alone now, too. He's having a good evening. Yeah. And frankly, good for you. I'm... I had to. He should be in a in a good mood because yesterday I had an, uh, a surprising a, a, pro, a cat problem that I never expected to have. I went to scoop out his litter box. And for, for anybody who has seen Freddy, Freddy is a very big cat. Um, like not just not just chubby, but he's like a he's burly. He's like a tank. Um, and I mean, it creates the sort of litter box situations that you would expect. Yesterday, I went to uh, scoop his litter box, and the litter scoop literally just snapped at the handle. I had to go buy a like jumbo reinforced litter scoop today for him. Just, it's not the sort of things that you expect. Um, so you plan for now. Yeah. So anyway, he should be in a he should be in a pretty good mood today. I went and got him a, a nice new litter scoop, which I guess is technically more for me, but it's also for him. Good for him. I'm, I'm sure he appreciates not being in the middle of a bunch of like gross uh, gross stuff going on in his uh, his private area. A bunch of uh, cat sized turds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it really cuts straight to the point of what it is. All right, so um, you ready to get to the uh, the actual topic of discussion? Yeah. Episode? Might as well. We're like almost an hour in, we're going to get straight to it. Okay. So um, the uh, the Hall of Fame announces its new class uh, next week. So in preparation of that, we're going to do a completely original and new twist on the uh, on the old, let's just discuss who our Hall of Fame ballots would be. So we, mm-hmm. we know Ted Simmons is in for sure because he was elected by the uh, the Veterans Committee or the Today's Game Committee, whatever it's called these days. But so the Hall of Fame ballot, and we've mentioned it briefly in previous episodes, there's 32 names on it. And mm-hmm. you're allowed a maximum of 10 people on your ballot. So how do we want to go about this? Do we discuss this briefly? Do you want us, like one of us to read off our ballot and then the other person goes or we can, like go through each candidate and decide who we, uh, whether or not we voted for the person or. Um, well, yeah, let's, let's do it that way. Let's go candidate by candidate. Okay. So I'm on uh, baseballreference.com. They have a list of all 32 <laughs> players and they, um, I'm just, just go alphabetically. How's that sound? Sure. I think some names will spend less time on than others. So uh, if you don't mind me asking, how many of the spots did you use for your ballot? Now, let me let me say this first of all. I didn't put a ton of time into mine. It was ma- mainly based on impulse, which is kind of what I was shooting for. Um, I So there's a good chance I'm going to second guess a lot of these during this. But okay. just based on my, my impulsive ballot, um, I used six. Okay. So I'm – I'm more of a big haul guy, I guess, mm-hmm. than most, though mm-hmm. this is the first time in years that I did not use every single spot on my ballot. Mm-hmm. I have nine on my ballot. Yeah. I can, I, I can be I, talked into an additional one, or I can be talked out of a couple, though if you only have six, my guess is that 
all six of yours will probably be on my ballot and then plus some more. Yeah. Now, I don't anticipate trying to talk you out of any of them. If anything, you'll probably talk me into a few. The problem I ran into is um, I, I there were others that I thought about including – um, in fact, there's one in particular that I'm, I'm already kind of thinking maybe I should have uh, added. Um, but the problem was that there were others I wanted to add, but I, I was it was just going to be a whole jumble trying to it, – it's like if I – okay, if I add these couple, I also have to add these several. And it was just going to be very hard to narrow it down to ten. Um, so six is just kind of where I landed on. But yeah, decent chance. Um, I'm definitely not going to try and talk you out of anybody um, – there would be one that I would maybe consider, but I, I know he's not going to be on yours. Um, so I'm not going to try and talk you out of anybody. We'll see if maybe you can talk me into adding a couple more. Okay. So uh, let's get right to it. So the first question on the ballot is Bobby Abreu. <clears throat> was he on your ballot? No. He was not on mine either. Uh, very good player. Uh, yeah, he's cool. Arguably the best player on this ballot that you could not possibly talk me into, which is sort of a, a weird way of it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball reference, he was a 60-war player. He was a terrific batter's eye, um, pretty lousy fielder, but yeah. a, a good player. Um, I think a player who's certainly worthy of being on the ballot, which is not a particularly high threshold, but, you know. Did Bobby, did Bobby Abreu have, like, a famously bad play on defense, or am, am I thinking that wrong? I know Raul Abanez did, but did Bobby yeah. Abreu? I don't know that he does. I, I can't. Um, I can't think of a specific one. Yeah, Adanias, and we'll talk to him about him in a little bit. He has the play that's been immortalized in uh, Jeff Sullivan's Twitter avatar with him just throwing yeah. it all straight into the ground. But. And there's uh, there's another there's another guy uh, that I actually included on my ballot who's a candidate who had a uh, a very famously bad uh, play in the field as well. But more on that later. That's true. And we're probably gonna have a lot of overlap with the latest episode of Effectively Wild for anyone who's listened to that where. They literally just took, like, the down-ballot guys and basically just didn't remember some guys where they just, like, thought of what the thing that they most thought of with this player was. But uh, we're actually going to talk about some of the actual candidates, too, so we're not going to quite go that route. Uh, next on the ballot is Josh Beckett. No. Also no. Um, yeah. Not, I Just move on. He's not close. Uh, he was a very good young pitcher, not as good of an old pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Heath Bell. Uh, also no. Also no. Um, it shocked me during the uh, the effectively wild remember some guys with Heath Bell that the thing that popped into their head um, right away was not the thing that immediately pops into my head when I think of Heath Bell, which is him sliding into the mound during the All Star game. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the only thing I associate his career with. I know that he was a good leader. We'll talk about him during the Padres episode, of course. He- Heath. Uh... Was he one of the guys? I know he, he slid into the mound at the All Star game. Is he one of the guys who would who would sprint from the bullpen at every appearance? I know Todd Coffey did. I think he was. I <clears throat> can't promise that he was. I mean, there's enough guys that have done it that I think. He also had a a very very funny team picture one time. I feel like. I can't say I remember that for sure. But I feel. Like, I think it was Heath. I mean, it could have been. Uh, some other reliever. He had like a very psychotic looking uh, team photo once, but it's, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin to, to find it. Yeah, it's wild. He had 168 saves and he was a closer for pretty much his entire career. And he's on the hall of fame. Now, but yeah. go figure. Um, so 
Uh, next up, we're probably going to talk about an actual Hall of Fame candidate here. Is uh, On his eighth ballot, a guy who received 59.1% of the vote last year, uh, Barry Bonds. Uh, yes, he is on mine. He is on mine as well. Uh, not really much more to say about Barry Bonds other than just pointing out his numbers. Obviously, the, the steroid cloud is the reason that he's not in the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, either you think he's in or you don't. I mean, he's, other than yeah. that, you know, maybe the greatest hitter of all time. Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, you're not a blanket. Anyone with even, like, a slight hint of steroid suspicion doesn't get Right. Where, where, do you, uh, where do you come down on that? For me, it's just part of the calculus. Um, <clears throat> I think it's it can function – I think it functions as a, detr- as a detractor for me. Um, but then someone like Barry Bonds was so good that you can subtract quite a bit from him, and he's still a Hall of Fame player. Um, so that's where I come down on that. Yeah, I'm not like blanket. Don't let this person in the hall. Um, although I have, this will come up again later. Um, but I mean, Barry Bonds was just so, you know, it's some of his offensive performances, like over the course of entire seasons were things that had like, had never been seen before and never will again. I think you, you take away, um, Whatever it is that he got from the steroids, just based on pure performance alone, I, I still would like to see him in. Yeah, you you could split Barry Bonds in half, and he would have two clear-cut Hall of Famers. Yes. Oh, well, not literally doing that. Maybe. But. maybe. I mean, probably not, but he was he was a freak of nature, so it's possible. And, and at the end of his career, his head had grown so large that it's possibly sliced the head in half. And like, you did have a melon. Yeah. would emerge. Yeah. He just, he, he worked out so much that his head exploded in size. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as far as the steroid guys are concerned, I'm much more concerned about guys who did steroids once they implemented testing, because Throughout the vast majority of Bonds' career, steroids were legal in baseball, like, yeah. not against the rules. And so I have a hard time punishing players for finding competitive advantages that were actually cheating, like, yeah. that were not expressly cheating. It's different than going back to the sign-stealing where, like, everybody knows you can't do that. Yeah, um, and that's definitely going to be a thing whenever Carlos Beltran comes up for the Hall of Fame that comes up. Because Beltran's a guy that's would probably, before all of this, have been, like, but like not overwhelmed. Like he's not Bonds. Yeah, I think uh, Zimborski was commenting on this today and said that he's still pretty sure that he'll uh, want Beltron in, but that it's definitely going to be part of the discussion regardless. Yeah, it's so weird that Bonds can't get into the Hall of Fame because of the steroid thing that he was never actually suspended for at any point. Mm-hmm. And yet, like whenever Tom Brady's eligible for the Hall of Fame, even though he got suspended for cheating at one point. Like, he's going to get in first ballot, and I yeah. definitely would agree with that as much as I yeah. give the Patriots credit for things. But right. it's it's weird that there's this such a moral referendum on baseball players that doesn't exist with other sports, mm-hmm. and it's so inconsistently applied, but, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Bonds, I think he probably still won't get in, but he'll get a little bit closer, and then next year will be his final year on the ballot, and that's going <clears throat> to effect. Yeah, that'll be really fascinating to see. Yeah, that's and where the rubber of, hits the road. Because if you're going to put in one, one of the steroid guys, it it is Bonds. I mean, he's the best of the bunch. Yeah, and there were a few strategic voters out there that think we're not voting for Bonds during more loaded Hall of Fame ballot years. Sure, might warm up to him this year. 
Mm -hmm. it, like I said, I don't think he's going to get in, but I think it could get, like, it wouldn't shock me if he got 70%. It would not shock me right. at all. <laughs> and uh, so next up on the ballot is uh, Eric Chavez. No. Uh, also for me, not particularly close. Kind of I guess I've, I guess he, I forgot that he was actually that good. The crazy thing that I did not learn until uh, yesterday about Eric Chavez, he never made an all-star team. How crazy is that? Eric Chavez was never an all-star, and now he's on the Hall of Fame ballot, and is like he's not a Hall of Famer, but there are how many years? How many years did he play? He played uh, seventeen. That's probably. Yeah. I mean, there's you get a lot of credit for being like even just pretty good over a very long period of time. And but, and, he, but he really wasn't though. Like so, he had thirty seven point five WAR. His uh, WAR seven, which is his seven best years, was thirty one point one. So yeah. 11, over eleven years, and he was hurt a lot. So that's the main reason why. But over eleven years, he had six point four WAR. You know, you know who? Uh, just for shits and giggles, I'd love to see eventually on a Hall of Fame ballot, even though it's not deserved and he won't be. Edwin Jackson. Because you, you say he won't be. <laughs> I. The guys played for like guys played for like twelve teams. A general, That's an incredible accomplishment. A general rule when it comes to the Hall of Fame ballot is if you if you played ten years, the odds of you making the Hall of Fame ballot are actually like very good well sure just look at eric chavez yeah well, let me look at what eric chavez's career war is so he is at uh 8.8 .8 war which would not make him the lowest war player on this ballot because he'd be ahead of heath bell but he's a starter so he's yeah probably not but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world i don't think yeah he was, apparently he was worth a negative 2.4 war last year which i did not know he pitched nearly enough to be that bad. This is, and this is edwin jackson yes you you said Eric Chavez. Oh, sorry. Uh, Eric, yeah, Eric Chavez uh, would not be on the Hall of Fame ballot he played last year. But uh, yeah, I just love that that among players that the Cardinals traded for in their 2011 run, two of them played for um, between them uh, 23, I think, teams. Because I think Edwin Jackson. Yeah, I, I think I could be wrong about this slightly. I think Edwin Jackson's 12 and Octavio Dotel's 11, or maybe Arthur, it's 13 Arthur and 12. Rhodes, Arthur Rhodes has to be up there, too. Yeah, I mean, they really traded for some guys, guys. Uh, one of them's coming up on the ballot later. Yes, correct. All right, so uh, <clears throat> uh, next up is a guy who's often lumped in with Barry Bonds because they retired the same year, they've been on the ballot the same year, their vote totals have mm -hmm. matched pretty closely. Mm -hmm. Also, same suspicions, Roger Clemens. Uh, he is on mine. Yep, on mine as well. I feel like if you're putting one on your ballot and not the other, you better have a really interesting explanation for why not. And something, maybe this is really, really a dumb rationale. I'm, I'm willing to have you tell me that, and I'll accept it. I mean, I penalize pitchers less. Like, what benefit – like, how did Clemens benefit – as much by taking steroids as someone like like Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire did. I, I think in the short term, he would have benefited less, but also one of the big things steroids does, it helps you stay healthier. Yeah. And so, like, pitchers get hurt at a higher rate. Again, this sort of devil's advocate, because I think Clemens is clearly a Hall of Famer. Like, his quality of... Like, he, like Bonds, is one of those guys where if you, like, cut his career in half, we'll, we'll, we'll say just cut his career, not actually cut him in half. Mm -hmm. He's not a surefire Hall of Famer if you cut it in half. Can you stop talking about cutting people in half? Are you Jeez. Even, like, worried that I'm going to, like, 
It's very, very concerning. I, I, I've heard a lot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, talk over the last week of Oscars buzz, so I've got that on the mind. Okay, that was bad. Um, I've, I have not seen that, and you may have just ruined it. I haven't seen it either, but one of the main characters is Sharon Tate, so I have a general idea of what's going to happen in it. Well, okay, fair enough. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Clemens, uh, I think he's in. I think like Bonds, there's a lot of steroid baggage. They're <clears throat> not the two greatest guys in the world, but like in terms of pure baseball quality, I think they're like surefire. Right. Uh, next up is Adam Dunn. No, I think it'd be really funny if Adam Dunn got in. He has one of my favorite careers of a baseball player, but no, I did not include him. Yeah. Adam Dunn, he's definitely not going to get in. He's <laughs> not going to make it to the next ballot. But I could see some like some weird Cincinnati reporter deciding, you know what, I'm going to give him a vote. <clears throat> I could see that too. Um, what I, what I'd love for there to be is like, for lack of a better word, it's like a quirky hall like a hall of notoriety or something like that. where just, just, you know, sort of quirky careers, um, unusual accomplishments get recognized. And Adam Dunn would belong in that. I think that's yeah. where Edwin Jackson would go as well. Yeah. Adam Dunn's just like the prototypical, just like big lumbering dude who had absolutely no defensive value, but he had a lot of power. He walked a lot. Like he, had, he was, he was a big, he was a big lummox, is what he was. He had 462 career home runs. That's like that's a lot, even during that era. And like he's also not a guy that I've like heard type steroids at all. Like, that's what I was just gonna say. There's never been a whisper of him in steroids that I've noticed. Watching pictures of him like when he was in high school, he was like I guess it's possible he was roiding up at a very early <laughs> age, but he was um, just a big guy and no. Yeah, fun fact about him is that he was a financier of a movie that was nominated for Best Picture, which is a thing that I had completely forgotten about. He was a financier of the movie Dallas Buyers Club. Is that true? I did not know he, that. And also, have, have you seen that movie by chance? I, I know what it is, but no, I haven't seen it. Okay, it's a, it's a good movie, you should see it. But That's what everyone says. and I He uh, makes a yeah. cameo in it. He plays That's a boxer. I, he's got that look. I could see that for what that movie was. Um yeah, it's for. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean yeah. the movie takes place in Texas, and Adam yes. is like the most Texas. Like we just talked about Roger Clemens, but there's nobody more Texas than Adam Dunn. Yeah. Like no one Ryan isn't as Texas as Adam Dunn is. And that's saying something. All right. So next up is a uh, a player whose name I'm never totally sure how to pronounce the first name because it looks like Chone Figgins, but I've also pronounced basically like Sean Figgins. I think it's supposed to be Sean. Yeah, I feel weird pronouncing it like that. I, I usually go with like sort of a hybrid pronounce like Shone. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Shone Figgins on your uh, Hall of Fame ballot? No. Correct. That's that's <laughs> correct. <super, laughs> that'd be very strange. I mean, I mean, what? In what circumstances? No disrespect to the man, he's probably nice, but on what, under what circumstances would he even get a vote? Um. Well, he was a higher career WAR player than Adam Dunn, so like that sort of logic. Like maybe because he spent most of his career in the American League, I just have less memory well, than Adam Dunn. But like, yeah, but but, he, but he's like not like a circus freak like Adam Dunn is. Yeah, he was just like a pretty good baseball player. Yeah, uh, good for him. So, next up, former St. Louis Cardinal Rafael Furcal. Uh, no. Yeah, also no. I like Rafael Furcal. He's a cool guy, but no. Thank you for twenty. Thank you for twenty eleven. He also turned an unassisted triple play against the Cardinals, which was pretty cool. Um, that is true. Yeah, I remember that. 
39.4 war is a lot close, a lot more than I would have guessed, but um, yeah, he's not quite there. Um, next up is a player who's worth 50.5 war, it's his first year on the ballot, uh, Jason Giambi. I didn't include Jason Giambi. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. We're, we're venturing into Clinton's territory with him, but... I yeah, think- maybe a guy you revisit eventually. Um, he'll He'll probably get... Well, he has the steroid stuff too. That's gonna. He has, yeah, he has the steroid stuff. He's not as, like, he's not one of like the steroid guys you think of necessarily. I could see him maybe getting a little bit of a, like, a slight amount of hype just because he was a Yankee, um, but and I mean just Yankees just in general get a lot of hype. But um, so, no, but no, just not not there for me. Yeah, Giambi's interesting because he had three three sort of distinct stages of his career where he had. Like mm-hmm. the Oakland stage, where he was like sort of this really um, iconoclastic sort of player. He had this like big bushy beard, not bushy, but he had like a very straggly beard and seemed like sort of uh, like the hipsters baseball player. And then he went to the Yankees, where he had to shave and be a Yankee, and really like was disappointing to a lot of Yankees fans who had these sky high expectations for him. And then like in the later stages of his career, he's like bounced like he was on Cleveland for a while, he was on Colorado for a while, just kept going to different teams and he was like this very respected yeah. mentor. I'm actually surprised that he hasn't like like why don't the Mets hire him? Like if, if you're willing like Yeah, he's never been linked to a managerial job that I know of. Yeah, I don't think so either, but like by all accounts, like in interviews he always seems like a <clears throat> bright guy. He's, Oh, I was going to – one thing I was going to say earlier in the first discussion, one of the only people benefiting from uh, the uh, sign-stealing scandal is, oddly enough, Buck Showalter, who is now being linked to all these managerial jobs. Buck Showalter's got to be getting up there in years, right? Look, he's 63, which is actually less than I thought. Oh, yeah. I would have thought he was at least 70. Yeah. Wait, so if he's he's 63, that means like – when he was the manager of like the '95 Yankees, he would have been 38. Am I doing my math right? I, I'm not going to do the math, but yeah, he was a veritable spring chicken. I'm pretty sure he had gray hair then. That's wow. Okay. I mean, he's just look. He's just looked like a tiny old man for age. He's also not as short as I thought. He's five nine, which is like still like I guess slightly on the shorter side, like slightly below average. But I always thought of him as like a little bitty guy. I think my main Whenever I think of him in my head, I'm picturing him on Seinfeld where he's staying next to Jason Alexander. So maybe that's helping me think of him as being taller than he actually is. But yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't know about that. Anyway, Jason Giambi, now a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Buckshot Walter. I mean, he keeps managing. Maybe. Yeah. So next up, we have a uh, second year on the ballot guy. He had 16.5% of the vote last time. Uh, Todd Helton. I had no – this is one you could talk me into, but I did not include Todd Helton. I had no as well, and this is kind of one of that layer of, like, next three guys where you could probably make a case for it. Yes. And I suspect one of the other ones coming up shortly will be uh, in that category as well. Uh, Helton had a very long career, and um, but his peak was relatively quick, and he's kind of one of those guys – we're going to talk about Larry Walker later, where yeah. the, 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 the Rockies the punishment, yeah, like the Rockies punishment that applies to everybody but Nolan Arenado, kind of coming into play. But like Todd Helton was legitimately like a superstar level hitter. Yeah, if he had played a position other than first base, I think he would definitely be in. But like the fact that he was doing it at first base, the fact that he was doing it at Coors Field, does 
work against him, I think. Yeah. And that's just sort of what it is. He ended up having, like, a lower career OPS plus than Jason Giambi, which doesn't seem right, but I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll trust the fine compilers at Baseball Reference. He was one of those guys that if I had included him, I couldn't really justify leaving, like, a bunch of other people off. So that's what did it for me. But cool guy. I wouldn't – I mean, I wouldn't be outraged if he did make it. I don't think he will, but um, a no for me. I'll never not find it funny that Derek Gould put him on his ballot. I will just always love a lot of Rockies players. Yeah, I, I don't even want to know why that is. Um, I think without context, it's funnier. But, that yeah, that is funny. Why it is that he loves Colorado guys? Yeah. Uh, do you know where he's from? Is that where he's from? No, I, I genuinely he's didn't. From, he's from Colorado. I genuinely did not know where Derek Gould was from. And there's, like, no level of skepticism towards his, like, love of Colorado players. It's hey, good. Good for him, I guess. All right. Uh, so next up is uh, Raul Labanez, author of the aforementioned uh, Jeff Sullivan Avatar, also haver of 20.4 career war. No, but God, that play was funny. So this is fascinating. He has 20. So he played 19 years and 20.4 career war. Yeah, not. Do you know what his war seven was? No. His war seven is 20.1. Yeah. He's an interesting player because, like, he was a late bloomer in a sense that, like, if he had a really good, like, first half of his career, he might actually be a Hall of Fame candidate because all of his, like, production was in his 30s. But you got to have some production in your 20s. I I think it's fair to say this that we've talked about with some of these guys like Eric Chavez that where the longevity of their career benefits the view of their career – with Raul, no, with Raul Abanez, the longevity of his career was his career. Yeah. That, that's it, pretty much how long he was able to stick around. And to his credit, good for him. Um, yeah, and, like, not the worst player on this ballot. No, not at all. Um, but, no. He's pretty close to the worst position player on the ballot, though. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, the, the worst is actually Adam Dunn. But uh, next up after Raul Abanez is uh, another first ballot guy. I think this guy might... I think, like Raul Abanez, I don't expect this guy to be on the ballot next year. Uh, Derek Jeter. Yes. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing about Derek Jeter. I think a lot of, like, sort of people who are, like, sabermetrically inclined baseball fans and writers and whatnot have sort of taken to trying to knock Derek Jeter down a peg. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that's fair because you're seeing a lot of ballots coming in from, like, old school yeah. guys who are, like, only voting for Derek Jeter, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Derek Jeter's not the best player on this ballot. No. He's not the best shortstop ever. He's not. There's a lot of things he's not. But he is a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very clearly a Hall of Fame level player. And how how much do you take consideration to, like, more narrative cases? Or is it just purely, like, looking at the numbers? I think the narrative plays into it. It's just part of the broader calculus. Um, I think we should heavily value what a guy's performance is. Um, in a way that a lot of sports writers don't like just pure, you know, context free performance. But um, I don't think we should overcorrect and strip it of too much context. Um, we just have to think about, you know, how valuable the narrative actually is. Um, and with Jeter, like, yeah, as insane as people go with regards to him, 
and how as obnoxious the whole thing is. I mean, he's definitely in. So there's just not that's not even a, a discussion. Just put him in there. Let's not think about it anymore. Yeah, I think that um, one thing that I find very strange is that anytime somebody brings up like postseason <laughs> accomplishments, in there's always mm-hmm. somebody who's like, oh, well, the postseason, that's a small sample size. And I agree when it comes to evaluating players for like future performance, but I think with the Hall of Fame, it's a perfectly valid thing to point out is how good a player was in the postseason. And you could argue, oh, if you read his career, he wouldn't be as good in the postseason. Like, that may be the case. Yeah. But, like, he did do the things. Like, yeah, that's... I, I, I agree. Here's how I'll put it. I don't I don't think a player should be, in these cases, be penalized for a lack of, like, being in the postseason or a lack of um, production in the postseason. But, like, if a player does have, you know, a big postseason moments, does tend to come through in the clutch, they should be rewarded for that, in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I don't think that should be the entire case. Like, I don't think Jack Morris should be in the Hall of Fame, for instance. But, like, I think that as a contributing factor to a broader story. And, like, Derek Jeter had, was it, 72.4 career wall. Like, that's way above the standard that we normally have for Hall of Famers that are, like, steroid-tiding guys. But, yeah. So, we've uh, we've gone through 13 names. Uh, we've both have the same three guys in for the Hall of Fame right now, I believe. Right. Correct? All right. Yeah. So uh, next up is a guy who's on his third ballot on the Hall of Fame. <laughs> last, year, last year he got 7.5%. Uh, Andrew Jones. Now, I like Andrew Jones a lot. Um, <clears throat> I this, sounds, him, this sounds like a preface to not putting him in the ballot. Go ahead. I, I didn't. Um, he's one of the guys, maybe the main guy that you could talk me into. Um, I didn't include him because kind of in the same thing. Like if I included him – I would have wanted to include like Helton and several other guys, um, but <clears throat> I left him out. But I would just kind of like to see him in there, just because I always liked Andrew Jones. So I have Andrew Jones in my Hall of Fame ballot. I think like if you look at just his career numbers, they're they're pretty much on the borderline. For me, I would pref- I prefer a player in the Hall of Fame that has a specific skill set, like a specific defining characteristic. Like, if you made me choose between Ozzie Smith and Derek Jeter, for instance, I would choose Ozzie Smith, even though Jeter probably is a little bit higher by war because Ozzie Smith was the best defensive shortstop ever. Right. Andrew Jones, I think, is probably the best defensive center fielder ever. Certainly the best of, like, any, like, relatively modern defensive standards. And, like, offensively, he had 434 home runs as well. And, like, purely on offense, he's not a Hall of Famer, but that in conjunction with how great his defense was. And, <clears throat> and I, like, you might not remember this because I barely remember it, but, like, in 1996, he was this huge phenomenon coming up because he hit two home runs in a World Series game. I believe he was 19 when he did it. Oh, God. I think he's a you know very interesting player in that sense, and that's why I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame is because I think he's sort of transcends <clears throat> what eventually became kind of a, a so-so career in terms of Hall of Fame standards. But, like, he came on the scene, and, like, he lingered around for a while, so maybe people don't realize just how good he was in his prime, but he was remarkable at his peak. He was extremely good. Um, he also um, was one of a few players to have one of my favorite baseball accomplishments they're very rare, but I always love when it happens. He had a broken bat home run. Um, sure. I remember his specifically for whatever reason. I know 
a similar time period. Mark Teixeira did it recently. Bryce Harper and Joey Gallo did it. Um, for whatever reason, that's always the moment I'll remember with him. But yeah, I, I mean, if I, you know, he was just on the cusp for me. I mean, if I had a do over, I might include him. Um, but uh, I didn't include him just, you know, for the purpose of this exercise. But I, I think I do. I would like to see him in the hall. He deserves it. It's kind of interesting that basically like a decade and a half apart, Andrew Jones and uh, Jason Hayward both came up with the Braves as outfielders being these like super hyped up hitting prospects. Phenoms, yeah. Neither one of them quite did what they were supposed to do offensively, but emerged as like the best defensive players at their position for yeah. a long stretch of time. And, that is crazy to think about, yeah. And like I think Hayward's probably not going to end up being a Hall of Famer. Because, no. But, you know, I, he declined even more rapidly than Jones and yeah. field versus center field, but still yeah. interesting to uh, consider. So next up is a guy on his seventh ballot. He had 18.1% of the vote. Uh, Jeff Kent. Uh, no. Uh, no for me as well. So I'll admit that I don't like Jeff Kent. <laughs> like I just, yeah. he was like my least favorite player when he was playing. Uh, Hall of Fame... Like, you can make a case for him. I, I wouldn't, like, laugh somebody out of the room for putting him on the ballot unless you're Mark Saxon and you're excluding Scott Rowland in place of him. Yeah. But um, he's a very good hitter. He was a little bit of a late bloomer because he was with Cleveland before he was eventually traded to the Giants and became this um, very sort of polarizing player. It's sort of funny to, like, rehash the fact that him and Barry Bonds had these conflicts because... Like, the further back you look, the, realize, the, the more you realize that while there was so much, like, of kind of, like, racial tension in the way they were covered, sort right. of, like, sort of racial, like, you know, counterpoints to that, where you, like, want to, you know, defend, you know, the player who's being given this unfair treatment. Like, they're both just kind of jerks. Yeah. I, I just think one of them is a, you know, Hall of Famer, the other one's just outside. How many years did Kent play for the Astros? Was it just one or was it two? I thought it, I thought it was two because I thought it was 03 and 04. Definitely 04 because he hit the home run in the NLCS and the that the Cardinals wound yeah. up winning. He was going by 05 because <clears throat> he was on the Dodgers. For whatever reason, um, I, I disliked a lot of those guys that played for the Astros around that time period. I got over like all of them except Jeff Kent. <laughs> He's, I'm kind of the opposite. Ken was really the only one I disliked. I just held like a weird like disdain. It wasn't like a genuine dislike, but I was just annoyed yeah. by them first. Maybe just because they were like direct competitors. Um, I got annoyed with like Lance Berkman and Craig Biggio. Um, but like obviously Lance Berkman became our friend, although he's kind of a bad guy too, I think. Um, and Craig Biggio, I don't think there's a thing wrong with him, but um, – uh, and Jeff Bagwell, I have no ill feelings toward. I don't think, even think at the time that I felt that strongly. But, um, yeah, uh, no on Jeff Kent. All right. So uh, next up is uh, first ballot guy, uh, Paul Konerko. I like Paul Konerko. He's a cool guy, but no. Uh, shockingly beloved player by White Sox fans. Like, he, like he is, like, their Willie McGee. Yeah. Um, and like Willie McGee, he's also not a Hall of Famer. So there's really nothing I, to say there. Yeah, I, I I've always had like kind of an affinity for White Sox fandom because like there are there are uh, brethren and sister in uh, hating the Cubs. Um, 
so uh, I've always felt like a solidarity with them. And so through that, you know, I, I enjoy Paul Canerco, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. White Sox <clears throat> fandom for me is a little bit like Oakland A's fandom in the sense that there aren't as many of them as there are of other teams, but like the ones that are there, are like, they're, they're real. They're yeah, and, 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 and kudos to them for that. And the White Sox should be, uh, they should actually be like competitive this year. In yeah. We're speaking with, uh, he has Monty Grandall and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is John Jay still under contract there or is that just I, a one year thing? I believe he still is. I knew he was, he was hurt like all last year, I think. Yeah. But, uh, they, signed, they signed him basically to entice Manny Machado. And, yeah, and that didn't work. <laughs> they, they forgot that they still had to offer him a lot of money too. Yeah. <laughs> like John Jay is like a really likable guy, but you do have to offer him like a shitload of money to, to get him to play for you. Yeah. One of the funnier theories that emerged after Jason Hayward signed with the Cubs was the theory that he was mad that John Jay wasn't going to be his teammate when he signed with the Cubs, which I am, like, the hugest John Jay fan in the world. You really are, yeah. It's clearly an insane theory, though. Like, no. Yeah, no. He signed with the Cubs because he wanted the opt-outs. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cliff Lee is also a first ballot guy, and he's next up. Cliff Lee at his peak was incredible. Yeah. I did not include him on my ballot, though. Cliff Lee is probably uh, closer than he should be because he is like, like you said, like his peak was really strong. Yeah. But he just, like his peak wasn't high enough to put him in. It's the reverse Eric Chavez. Like extremely, extremely good, but just no real longevity to how good he was. Yeah, and Cliff Lee, how many seasons? Um, he had 13 seasons. Yeah, he was around for a while, but was just elite for. A, like a shorter time span. Yeah, because I, I want to say that by the time he was like a Cy Young caliber pitcher, like with Cleveland towards the end of his run there, probably in his late 20s already, and then really good with the Rangers and Mariners, but very briefly, and then the Phillies, of course. But yeah, good player. Um, he's a Crowley, like remember some guy's guy, but he's not. Yeah. Um, next up, Carlos Pena, first ballot for him. No. No. Um, it's not great when you're main, when you're a Hall of Fame candidate. The main thing I remember for you for is uh, being traded in Moneyball. So Scott, <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, that's more than me because I couldn't think of a singular thing for Carlos Pena. Like I remember him, but I couldn't think of like a specific thing that he ever did or accomplished. Actually, a lot of a lot of the Moneyball takes aged <clears throat> poorly, and that's one of them because like. Scott Hatterberg was pretty good down the stretch for the A's that year, but it's not like he like went on to this long, prosperous career. And Carlos Payne is a Hall of Fame. I mean, he was awesome, and I think it was '07 with the Rays. Like he he had one year that was like out of this world. Yeah. But just generally speaking, like he didn't have enough years like that to be a realistic candidate. Right. Uh, next up is Brad Penny. Uh, first year for him, former Cardinal Brad Penny, cart former Cardinal slugger. Now, look, you know, as well as anybody, how much I love the story of Brad Penny with the Cardinals. Not love in a sense that it's heartwarming. I mean, it's really sad, actually, but um, I, like, I wrote an entire article on this. Just Brad Penny is so fascinating to me. He is absolutely not a Hall of Famer under any circumstances. Um, but I do love a good excuse to talk about Brad Penny. So uh, uh, congrats to him being on the ballot just so I get a chance to do that. It is fun that there are multiple guys from that 2003 Marlins rotation that are on the same Hall of Fame ballot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, 
A.J. Burnett, I would think, would make the Hall of Fame ballot eventually whenever he comes up for that. Uh, Don Willis probably didn't uh, pitch long enough. Uh, fun, That's sad. Uh, fun, like, quick trivia question. Do you know who the uh, top player by uh, by baseball reference war was on the pitching staff of the 03 Marlins? No, I don't. It was Mark Redman. I knew it was going to be something surprising. And, yeah, Mark Redman would be the surprising pick out of that bunch. <clears throat> He's just he was like the least interesting of all of them. <clears throat> I think he was a little bit older than the other ones, so there's yeah. a little bit less uh, less hype there. I think I mean I could be wrong, but I feel like Burnett might have been older than that. That can't be right. Burnett had to be younger than Beckett, right? I mean, you would think. I I'm not I don't plan on looking this up any further. I do no. not care enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, second year on the ballot. Guys, Got 9.9% last year. Uh, Andy Pettit. I thought about Andy Pettit, but ultimately said no. I uh, thought about him and ultimately said yes. Yeah, he's, again, going to be one of the easier guys to talk me into. Um, you know, he was very good for, a, you know, a decent period. Um, I don't know why I didn't include him. Just some, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. Well, for I think, least. like, he's somewhat on the borderline. Yeah. And, um the fact that he had the the steroid thing, but he was one of the few guys who like early on like came out in front and was like, "Yeah, I did this. I'm sorry I did this, yeah. but I did." Yeah, I mean, the steroid case really for him just doesn't bother me. Um, that's not what yeah. was the deciding factor. It's mainly just that he was borderline. I didn't really see a thing to to push it over the edge. But then yeah. again, as I said, I, I had a weird disdain for Astros players in that time period. Um, so maybe that had something yeah. to do with it, without me knowing it. As much as I don't. As much as I don't like pitcher wins as a stat, I think that they can be very telling as far as, like, how long a guy was a good pitcher, like, in the in a macro sense. And he had 256 career wins, which is an, an awful lot, and, you know, was a firmly above average pitcher for most of his career. Pitched on several World Series winning teams with the Yankees, was a pitcher on some good Astros teams as well, and, you know, was really a core part of those... Yankees teams along with Rivera and Jeter and I think he's probably going to go more the route of like Bernie Williams where he's not actually mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame after all of that but uh, a solid player and like he's a player that you could probably talk me out of but um, I'm <laughs> with him at least like hanging on the ballot for another couple of years because he's not going to make it he's not going to jump right. 65% in one year but he could be around uh, a while uh, speaking of the exact opposite of guys who could be around a while. J.J. Uh, Putz. No. No. Uh, I, 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 yeah. This just, is, just this no. is by far the player on the ballot that I have the least to say about. It's just, it's baffling, and also his name is Putz, so let's just... Uh, well, I will say, good for him having a name that is, like, one of the best Yiddish insults and in managing to build a yeah. successful pro sports career. That's really all I have to say about J.J. Putz. So there are, uh, he is, by war, I think there's four guys who are predominantly relievers who are on this ballot, and he's uh, the second best of them by war, so there's that. Hey, there we go. But, uh, yeah, at least three of them have, at least three of the four have absolutely no chance of making the Hall of Fame, so. Uh, Next up is Manny Ramirez, and you, I think, alluded to him earlier, mentioning his name. You are correct, and yeah, he is, uh, I said yes on him. I said yes on him as well. Um, Sort of like Pettit, he's a guy who is 
you know, close on the Hall of Fame threshold and had, I, I mean, Ramirez had even more like bombastic steroid uh, accusations than Pettit. So mm-hmm. was it that put uh, Man Ram over the line? Was it the cutting off the cutoff throw? I love the cutting off the cutoff play. <laughs> no, it was not. Um, I mean, people knew how good Man Ram was, but like it, it gets a little bit forgotten, like how long he was good for. Um, and yeah, I, th- I, I think he, he was just able to be good so, like, as good as he was for so consistently long. People forget how good he was even in, like, Cleveland before yeah. he went to the Red Sox. I was going to say, like, people, like, I feel like he's so tied in with the Red Sox now, but I remember I had some, like, MLB video games, which is obviously not the greatest way to evaluate an actual player's talent, but, like, in, like, the mid-90s where he was just, like, this fearsome slugger when he was in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. He was, like, legitimately one of the best hitters in baseball for a solid, maybe not quite 15 years, but, like, not too far off of that. Yeah. And uh, so Mayor Ramirez hit a career OPS, and this is obviously during a high offensive era in his case, of 996. He had a 154 OPS plus, and I think the main thing that's holding him back from being a Hall of Famer is that his defense wasn't very good. Yeah, if you could, as evidenced by the cutting off the cutoff play. Yeah, which that may have exaggerated a little bit how bad he was, but like, imagine a world where he just becomes a designated hitter, but he couldn't be because David Ortiz was on the Red Sox. Yeah, so when he by all rights should have been, he wasn't. And I think about this whenever I think about Miguel Cabrera, when people talk about like the MVPs that he won and relitigating that against Mike Trout. One thing that I always thought was unfair about Cabrera's that was unfairly held against him was how bad his defense was. The fact that he was playing third base rather than playing first base or DH was helpful for his team because it meant that another really good hitter could be in the lineup. And that kind of makes me think a little bit more favorably on Ramirez's defense. Right. Because, like, it shows him being a good teammate in ways that, say, Derek Jeter wasn't whenever they acquired Alex Rodriguez and Jeter stayed at shortstop even though he was a worse fielder. But... I still have Jeter in the Hall of Fame. I have Ramirez in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty much uh, where I stand. Yeah, 20. that was that was an easy one for me. Last year he got 22.8% of the vote. Uh, this is his fourth ballot. We'll see if he ticks. I cannot imagine he will not be on. I imagine he'll be on the ballot next year because I don't think he's vaulting 52.2%. I don't think he's falling 12.8% or 17.8%. Yeah. Uh, next up, first ballot is Ryan Roberts. Uh, no, uh, no for me as well. I was re- the the main thing I remember Brian Roberts for is for a while there, and this was back when I you know didn't know a whole lot. Is I always, he was always a guy that I wondered if the Cardinals were going to trade for. That's mainly what I remember Brian Roberts for. He was a he was a very solid player, but he's definitely yeah. a player that I would ever think of being a famer. <clears throat> I mostly remember him having this very. Uh, goofy smile in, yeah. in one of his pictures and that just burned into my mind and then the fact that i'm thinking of like a specific picture of his rather than his actual playing career probably is not a great reflection on his hall of fame worthiness yeah all right i'm gonna venture into uh, a group here of guys who have been major hall of fame candidates for uh years <laughs> now. uh on his third ballot he got 17.2% last year, former St. Louis Cardinal, uh, Scott Rowland. I did include Scott Rowland on mine. Uh, I did as well. And uh, some of this is biased. Um, 
I like Scott Rowland. We saw the best of him, but also he was really good. I mean, he was he was extremely good. Um, was a great hitter and you know one of the best defensive third basemen I've ever seen. Um, I mean, really, like go if you can go back and watch, you know, find highlights of some of the plays he made at third base. I mean, some of the gems he made over there were just incredible. And it's not like he was just a gem only guy. He was an extremely solid defensive third baseman who also happened to be a solid middle of the order hitter. Um, so yes, I am biased towards Scott Rowland, but the guy was really, really freaking good. Yeah, it, the Hall of Fame has long had this weird bias against third baseman where I'm not sure what it is. Like maybe people think, oh, well, it's a corner infield position, so therefore we'll lump it in with first base. And as which is as that's last, bizarre. Yeah, but like and Scott Rowland, you know, one of the like conservatively one of the ten best third basemen defensively ever, probably yes. top five. Yeah. Uh, superstar hitter as well, and like you could make a case that he was better than Jeter because mm-hmm. he was a better hitter, and while he played a less premium position, he was also like outstanding at it. I don't think I would quite go that far, and I think Roland, the fact that he was hurt a lot, definitely uh, hampered his long-term value. But yeah, I think like I think he's clearly a Hall of Famer, and yeah. I think he's going to have one of those um, Hall of Fame runs where, like, towards the end of his time, I think he's going to be getting a lot more than sixteen point two percent of the vote, and you know, we'll just see. Uh, We'll just see if he actually makes it eventually. Don't think it's going to be this year, but we'll see what kind of leaps he can make. Agreed. So I believe you only have one player left. Is that correct on your ballot? Yes. Okay. I think I know who it's going to be, but we have... Probably. It's something eight, we've we've previewed before. So. We have eight names left. So uh, let's roll on. We have uh, America's sweetheart, Kurt Schilling. He's on his uh, eighth ballot. He got 60.9% last time. So he's like, it's weird because he's closing in as far as like his percentage is close and he has three ballots left, but you don't hear a lot of uh, support for him because, um, well, he's, let's put it this way. Nobody likes Kurt Schilling. (laughs) That's the simplest way. I I, I don't even, yeah. He has a very small audience at this point. Like, it's weird because I feel like like he's going to always try to play it off as, like, people don't like him because of his politics. And while that's... Now, in fairness, that is a large part of why I don't like him. That's partially true. He's also just... It's the main thing. He's also just abrasive and annoying. Yeah, he's a huge dick, and he always was. I'm going to guess that you do not have him on your ballot. Yeah, going to be a no from me. Okay. Uh, Full Randy Jackson voice. Yeah, going to be a no for me, dog. I'm not going to do the voice, though. That's troublesome. Um, was he on yours? Uh, he was. Now, I'm not going to fight with you on this because, like, I mean, he was an extremely accomplished accomplished baseball player, okay? Um, do you want to know why I didn't include him on mine? Because he's Because fuck Kurt Schilling. That's why. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. That's why I didn't include him. I'm not going to get mad at other people who do. And I don't think it's, like, a stain on the Hall of Fame if he does – but under no circumstances am I going to vote for Kurt Schilling. Under no circumstances do you got to hand it to him. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he, here's the thing. First of all, I would be very proud to have been blocked by a Hall of Famer. I don't believe I've been blocked by a Hall of Famer. On it, it would but, be the first for me as well. Are you yeah, blocked by Kurt I am. Too. It's 
like I feel like getting blocked by him is not quite getting blocked by Ben Roethlisberger, who I'm also blocked by because he blocks everybody that's ever tweeted about any sport <laughs> ever. But it's uh, showing I at least like. I don't, I don't think I have, but I've never tried for it either. I never for Schilling or for Roethlisberger. Oh, I never have. T- I've never tweeted at him, which oh. I mean, there's a lot of things I could criticize him for too. But uh, so Schilling is. So what I find interesting about Schilling, and like you said, like as far as playing career, like he's not like inner circle amazing. Like he's not, you know, Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, that level of player from that generation. But he's like a quality pitcher. I find it the problem that I have is that if I'm going to include Bonds and Clemens, who have been accused of some pretty awful, like, behavior in their lives. I have a hard time going against a guy because I find him personally annoying. That's sort of where I sort of come down on it. Yeah, and that's fine. And the fact that, like, there's, like, literal, like, KKK members in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. You could do, like, an era adjustment and say that, like, Schilling should be well above those guys. I wouldn't disagree with you, but... Which is why I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to make a big stink if he makes it in, but, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to contribute to it. Yeah. I do kind of wonder if part of the reason that he, um, hasn't gotten in, it's not because he's a jerk, but because he's specifically been a jerk to journalists and they're the ones who are doing the voting. Well, and him, like his stunts have been more grandiose than, Bonds or Clemens, like having the radio show. Did he ever actually run for political office, or was he just talking about it forever? He just talked. He's literally like a perpetual, like threatens to run all the time kind of like thing. like Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Kid Rock clearly a rock and roll Hall of Famer, and Kurt Schilling clearly a hall, baseball Hall of Famer. I would be very be very clear that Kid Rock is not a Hall of Famer. I can't tell if that was you or Freddie growling. No, that was me. <laughs> that was me groaning. Okay. Freddie's uh, on the floor sitting on the uh, sitting on the rug. Yeah. Uh, the Rock and Hall of Fame announced their class. We'll talk about that uh, next episode, I think. Fr- Freddie, what do you think of Kurt Schilling? Uh, Freddie said that Kurt Schilling can go fuck himself. Good cat. Good boy. Good boy, Fred. I don't disagree with you, Freddie. I do not, to be clear. Okay. Uh, so next up is uh, Gary Sheffield, who uh, sixth year on the ballot, thirteen point six percent. I'm gonna uh, guess that he's not on your ballot, but no, he is not. He's not the final. Yeah. yeah, he's not on mine either. But he's like he's not that far off. Like he's a little bit similar to Ramirez in the sense that. Just his defense is the thing that's coming against him. I actually am even more forgiving of Sheffield's defense than I am of Ramirez's because most of Gary Sheffield's just poorest defensive metrics come from when mm-hmm. it was like being played at shortstop and third base early in his career, and he just never really rebounded from that. Mm-hmm. I just think that his offense isn't quite good enough to uh, overcome that. And unlike Ramirez, who was like a World Series MVP, Sheffield doesn't have those like, indelible postseason moments. So we did win a World Series with the Marlins, which everybody remembers that 97 Marlins team so vividly. Isn't Gary Sheffield also kind of a dick? Um, I feel like I heard that somewhere. I don't know. I know that his son tweeted today about the uh, the whole Astros thing. Yeah, I did, I did see that. Which is how I learned that there was a Gary Sheffield Jr. That is not a thing I knew. But I'd heard that somewhere because I thought, I thought he was playing – 
I don't know. That sounds plausible. Um, I, I assume he's in the Blue Jays system just because that's... Well, sure. They're just hoarding all the sons of Hall of Fame candidates, but yeah. Uh, next up, Alfonso Soriano, first year on the ballot. Uh, he was not He was not the final inclusion, no. Yeah. N- nor for me. He, he, he actually he seemed like a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate for the first like several years of his career when he was on the Yankees. And even a little bit into the Rangers, but man, did it just like it kind of just fell off. Like once he moved to like playing left field, you know, despite that one like really good by the metrics season that he had, it was was mostly kind of an adventure out there. And he was never a good enough hitter that he was going to be able to hack it as a mediocre defensive left fielder. Gotcha. Like he he was basically Jeff Kent for the first few years of his career, yeah. and then became like. Not even close to that, and we don't even have Jeff Kent ballot. <clears throat> but he was a uh, he was a guy who had a stance that everybody liked to impersonate. So that's, that's for that, true. for that, maybe the most closed off stance I've ever seen at points. So for that, he'll he'll live on, which is something. That, that, that is something. It's, it's not a Hall of Famer, but it's something. More than a lot of us can say, yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, next up on his eighth ballot. Get 8.5% last year, which it's amazing that somebody getting 8.5% in their seventh ballot. But mm-hmm. so we're at uh, another guy who was a corner outfielder for the Cubs, though, for a longer period than Soriano, uh, Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, I said no to. And it's going to be weird that I included Clemens and Bonds, but not Sosa. This is a stupid reason, but my reason for not including Sosa is that McGuire didn't get in. So, like, Bonds and Clemens, I'm fine putting in because, like, they're, you know, some of the premier guys. But I feel like if we're going to include Sosa, then how we need to do it is, like, just revisit some of the guys who already didn't make it. Um, Because I I think of you, they're so inherently tied together that I feel like if Sosa gets in, McGuire has to and vice versa. So... I didn't have the option to put McGuire in, so I said no on Sammy Sosa. That's fair. Uh, so my reason's pretty to the point of why I didn't include him while including Bonds and Clemens. I don't think he's good of a player as them. Well, he's not. Yeah, that is the other that, part of it's, it. Like, it's yeah. that straightforward to me. And Yeah, as I said, like for me, like the steroid thing is, is a detractor. Um, and when I, you know, when I subtract the steroid thing from Sosa um, – you know, he's a borderline player, so I'm, I'm fine not including him. Yeah, he has 609 career home runs, but really besides that, doesn't have a whole lot else going. Like, his, like it took him until 98 to really, like, reach that level. And then by the time, like, 02 or 03 came around, he just wasn't the same player. Yeah. But he was never a very good fielder. He was always a free swinger. And I think he would need, like... <laughs> A hundred more home runs for me to like put a guy in the Hall of Fame strictly on power, because like mm-hmm. Bonds obviously has a lot of home runs, but he was also had like most freakish like eye in the history of baseball and was a superstar defensive player in his younger days, and I assume stole a lot more bases than Sosa, though I can double check that. Yeah, Bonds had 514 steals and uh, Sosa had 234, which it's not nothing, but it's not putting me in, not getting in the Hall of Fame. I don't think. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, next up is the guy that I assume is your uh, is your pick 
for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jose Valverde on his first ballot. Can you name a single thing about Jose Valverde? <laughs> uh, he played for the Tigers. He, he did play for the Tigers. He played for the Diamondbacks as well. Uh, I, I didn't even remember that. So, are you familiar with and are you familiar with Jose Valverde's uh, baseball reference picture? No, but let me let me go look. And, yeah, you, um, you're and gonna, you're gonna have a good time with us. You can get my live reaction. Okay. Now I feel like this is not the first time that we've had like a live reaction to. Wasn't there someone with like a really stupid beard or hair or something that we we that I found and showed you? It was uh, what's this, the guy who was on the Brewers? Uh, that's since been traded to the Pirates. Oh, oh, the kid. Oh, what's his name? Outfielder. Um, who's outfielder? Who, yeah. What's that guy's name? Trent. Uh, Grisham. Trent Grisham, yeah. Yeah. So, right, okay. so I've got. I, I'm about to click the link. Okay. Uh, I, I'm. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Whose idea if, was this? If anyone hasn't uh, seen Jose Valverde's picture, um, <laughs> look it up. It's it's quite. It's weird because, and this is me just stealing another bit from effectively wild. And if you look at, if you like scroll over, you can see two other pictures that are like basically just regular standard, like yeah, normal pictures. Uh, the Jose the very like featured picture. So, um, looks like he just got, uh, saw a very, uh, like a snake or something. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't the diamondbacks for the picture. So there's that, but it reminds me, like, the idea of, like, why would they pick that picture reminds me of the uh, the Simpsons bit whenever Krusty the Clown faked his own death. <laughs> they were choosing between, for the stamp of him, the picture of his smiling face or of the plane that killed him. <laughs> and, like, why would you ever choose the plane? <laughs> like, uh, obviously, this isn't quite as morbid as that, but it's like, what? Why would that be your... Okay. Maybe... He, he was looking at his uh, stats with the Mets in 2014. Oh, boy. He's looking at like his later 2012 with the Tigers stats because that's a dude who like was very good for a couple of years and fell off the cliff. Never was in the Hall of Famer though, no chance. Um, next up, we have a guy that is on his third ballot. He got 42.8 percent next year. Um, probably won't make it this year, but by all accounts, has a very good chance of eventually making it. Uh, Omar Vizquel. No. Uh, agreed. And there's he's one of the very much discussed guys because he's one of like the most classically like overrated players, and it's sort of a shame because I mean he had a nice career. Yeah, I'm sure he's a decent man. I've never heard anything bad about him personally. Yeah, I, I've um, seen him in interviews and he seems like a very uh, likable fellow. So it, it's it's a shame for him that so much of this discussion is that all anybody wants to talk about is that he's not as good as a lot of people think he is, but that is true. Um, there, there's sort of a weird mania with Omar Vizquel, and I don't I don't know if it's just how long he played. Um, it was just that people are so bad, and I say this non-judgmentally. I mean, but it, that people are so bad at understanding, you know, what the value of defense actually is. I mean, a lot of times they underrate it, but they'll they'll overrate it with certain guys as well. Um, we see the same phenomenon with Nolan Arenado. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a no for me. I mean, he had a nice career. I, it's not taking anything away from him, but he's just not all a famer. I think people just want to turn him into, like, the heir apparent to Ozzie Smith. And he yes. isn't that level. Of, so, Ozzie Smith ranks ninth among shortstops in Fangraph's war. And, like, a few of those guys were, like, 
A-Rod, who wasn't a shortstop of whole career, and guys who played, like, in the 19th century. But So he ranks ninth. I'm pulling up where Omar Vizquel is ranked. Let's go on to the second page. He's number 34. Yeah, I mean... He's, um, just ahead of Julio Franco. Wow. Now that's, okay. a, that's a remember some guys guy. Again, a nice career, but, like... Avi Smith for his career was basically turned into a league average hitter over the course of his career, and Omar Vizquel was not that close to that. Avi Smith was the best defensive shortstop ever, and Omar was yeah, Ozzie, a good defensive shortstop, but was, was. that. But Ozzie Smith was inhuman at how good he was. Um, like, he did things that defied explanation. Um, Omar Vizquel, yeah, solid player for a long time, but that does not a Hall of Famer make. Correct. Next up, we have on his fifth ballot, a guy that got 16.7% of the vote last time, uh, Billy Wagner. No, to Billy Wagner. Uh, no for me as well. I am I think I'm more open to the discussion than I would, like, just looking at his war totals. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can judge relievers fairly by that. Because, like, that, that's, yeah. by that standard, it's Mariano Rivera and barely, and nobody else is even, nobody else is even close. But... Uh, is it weird that like Wagner never? I I never thought thought of Billy Wagner as being like that level of guy. Like he was very good, certainly, but for I did for whatever reason, just for a brief period there. Um, I I don't know if it's because I just have memories of, like the you know them being main NL competition with the Cardinals that we'd kind of inherently had to think about it. Um, but no, I th- I thought I understood how good he was but um to be i mean for a closer you know i'm not gonna get grumpy about relievers getting in because i mean they do serve a function um so i mean the the truly great ones deserve to be in the hall of fame you just have to do quite a bit for me to make it in as a relief pitcher um billy wagner was great but he's not quite there yeah i was trying to think if there's any examples in other sports man you gotta you gotta you gotta stop knocking over the mic man I'm not even hitting it. It's just falling over on its I mean, I'm the one who's drinking here, for Christ's sake. It's, it's getting blown away by my, my hot takes, I think. But when it, comes anyway. to Wagner, when it comes to Wagner, though, like, or when it comes to any sort of reliever, I feel like putting a reliever in the Hall of Fame is a little bit like if you were going to, like, put a sixth man from the NBA in the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's like, okay, maybe put Manny Ginobili in there. That's fine. But I don't want to put every sixth man. Just it's is, it, is it unfair to... to is it would it be unfair in like the NFL to compare it like to kickers getting in? I think it's just a little bit different because a kicker is its own unique position, and right. if you're a kicker getting in, you're the best kicker right. ever. If you're a right. receiver getting in, you're not the best pitcher ever because there's a yeah. lot of starters. Yeah. But like, so do you remember like back in the day, especially? And Al Robosk used to do this a lot back when he used to actually broadcast games. But mm-hmm. announcers would try to argue that Lenny Harris should be in the Hall of Fame because he was a good pinch hitter. I actually don't remember this, but I, I fully believe. I can hear that in Hungo's voice. All right. So Lenny Harris is one of the most um, – if you look up his numbers, he's just wasn't even a very good hitter. Like the reason he was a pinch hitter wasn't because he was like a superstar – at pinch hitting, it was because he wasn't good enough to start ever. He has a, he was worth 1.7 career WAR. In, yeah, um, like over 4,000 career plate appearances. Yeah, it, it's it can be maybe a little different with like a closer where someone's pitching repertoire just doesn't lend itself well to being a starter, and so that's just why they ne- why they will never be a starter. 
But with a pinch hitter, I mean, if someone's a good pinch hitter, I mean, it just it just leads you to ask the question. I mean, if they were, I mean, if they were that good of a hitter, they'd be playing all the time. Yeah. Um, it's like saying that. I mean, if there was a quirky hall, I'd put this guy in. But it's like saying that Matt Stairs should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's uh. Anyway, Billy Wagner is like clearly better than Lemmy Harris. I don't want that to get twisted, but oh yeah, um, but there's not, a there's a real case to be made for Billy Wagner, not for Lenny Harris. Okay. So you said you had six people in your ballot. You named five so far. I said I had nine people in my ballot. I had eight. Uh, there's only one player left to discuss. So, well, it um, probably is. It pro- it's probably him then. Probably uh, tenth ballot for this guy. Fifty four point six percent last year, and a huge uptick in support to a point where he might actually make the jump to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Larry Walker. That is indeed uh, number six for me. So just for some perspective, I was talking before about how awesome Gary Sheffield was as a hitter, but his defense was holding him back. Mm -hmm. Larry Walker had a higher OPS plus than Gary Sheffield, which um, he spent a lot of his career in Colorado, but like OPS plus park adjusts. So that's a relevant thing there. He was also a gold glove winning fielder, a really good uh, stolen base machine in his younger days. I think probably one of the, like definitely one of the five best Rockies ever. Probably yes. like at least a top 10 expo of all time too, which yeah. is probably often forgotten at this point. But I think he's, like he should be a shoe in I think so. I mean, he was great. He's one of the guys, more so than Helton, that you just wonder if he gets pun- uh, penalized for having played in Coors Field for so long. I mean, that's got to be it. Because, yeah. I mean, he, well, he I, was I think, so good. I think they both get punished, but I think that even if Helton weren't getting punished, he'd probably be just on the outside looking in. Yes, yes. Walker, like, this is the absolutely not, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, one season doesn't determine everything, but 1997, by fan graphs, he had over nine war. That's very few people can say that they've had a nine war season. Um and he was very, very good for other stretches. And I'll say this about Larry Walker, something that helps him. Um, I don't know that it would matter that much to me, but for narrative purposes, he ended his career in a good fashion. 2004, um, in his penultimate season, got traded to the Cardinals, um, was good, um, was like not amazing, was good. I mean, his defense uh, sucked, but his uh, WRC plus over the course of that season in its entirety was 156. Um, and that was for an extremely good team that went to the like, series. For people who aren't like familiar with WRC plus, 156, if he were like a good defender, would be like MVP candidate. Yes. And then uh, played his final season in 2005 with the Cardinals and was again pretty good. Um, not great, but he had 2.2 WAR. Um, he his WRC plus was 135. You know he was he was good on a good team. Um, and then he just kind of went out. Um, there was never that slow decline. So you never think of that part of Larry Walker's career because it didn't exist. So, uh, yeah, he did things right. He was very good for a long time, had some seasons where he went from being very good to being extremely good. Um, yeah, Larry Walker should be in, and I, I'm with you. I think he will actually make it because there has been like an outpouring kind of of like uh, media and fan support for it. Um, I think that'll be enough because I almost wonder if Hall of Fame voters um, – if they just they're just hesitant to be the ones to put a borderline guy in, but when they see people really start pushing for it, that's when they get more comfortable to add them to their ballot. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Larry Walker will get in, and uh, deservedly so. 
Yeah, I think it's so silly that like there's just this huge jump in the last year. Like the, the notion of guys can't make it in the first ballot, the notion of a guy couldn't be a first or couldn't be unanimous. So that's since changed with Rivera, and the notion of via, like just, yeah, who the hell cares? You know, it's like, very the very strange. Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think that uh, I think we've talked enough about the Hall of Fame and really talked yeah. in general. And yeah, I, this, yeah, we've gone on very long, a lot longer than I thought we were going. <laughs> Yeah, same. I think I'm ready to get editing, and most importantly, ready to uh, stop this call and immediately run to the bathroom. So yeah, you you do that. Um, I'm gonna go pour myself uh, a little more scotch. Um, I got a snow day tomorrow, and uh, so yeah, go ahead and uh, oh nice. Uh, we'll we'll reverse the order. Um, you tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at johnjf125. You can find uh, St. Louis bullpen at STL bullpen. On Twitter, you can find, obviously, stlbullpen.com, uh, facebook.com slash stlbullpen. You can find the podcast on uh, Spotify, Radio Public, uh, Google Podcasts, and just on the website itself. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Turpin4Prez, um, and I'll keep it short since you really have to pee. I'll leave it at that and just keep reading, keep listening to the podcast, and keep uh, enjoying the fine content at stlbullpen.com. You are too kind. And uh, read... Terp's mom's uh, cooking blog. At- yeah, the kid. Thank you, John. Yep. Figure it out. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.